Now batting for the sports animal, your afternoon drive. Number two, Menon, Van Nunley, and Fred Slow. And in the on-deck circle, Robert Buck D. Gibson. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Okay, you know what that means. Well, that means the, the boys are like a week away from Memorial Day weekend, so it's like that weird dead weekend before Memorial Day weekend where they sneak in a horse race, but no one cares about the horse race because horse racing's lost the prestige that it had so many, very many years ago. Also, the PGA Championship's going on. Also, the NBA playoffs are going on. Also, everything is trumped because Van's not here. That's right. Van Nunley, not here. I am Fred Slow in the station. The John Lopez Real Estate and Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio is Steph Griffin. Steph, I hope you are well. I'm introducing my old co-host, formerly of the heavy hitters of 590 The Fan in beautiful and historic St. Louis, Missouri. Matt Berger, welcome to the program, brother. How are you? Reunited and it feels so good. The heavy hitters. The heavy was, hitters back back in action. Oh, man. Some years ago, you and I graced uh, drive time in St. Louis, Missouri, and we had a lot of fun doing it while yeah, we, we were did. doing it. Yeah, we, we laughed a lot. How many different incarnations of the heavy hitters did we have? Oh, my God, dude. We uh, the, we uh, we went through them, right? So there was yeah. the, the I'm, sports I'm junkies. Still going through them. <laughs> yeah, there, I'm still going through them. Yeah, you, uh, you and I were the fit for some time, and then uh, – a handful of different co-hosts in and out, but I mean, we were talking, we were talking St. Louis Cardinals, we were talking St. Louis Blues, we were talking at the time St. Louis Rams. You and I were on air when the Rams announced that they were leaving St. Louis, which was like a yeah. crazy thing. That was a it crazy. Like, it seemed like that was just like a lifetime ago, and it really wasn't that long ago. It was only like six, seven years. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, I, I, June first. Yeah. June first is my anniversary with Albuquerque, so that's my sixth okay. year in Albuquerque. Four years on the radio after uh, I like you try to quit the business every couple of years, but it keeps dragging me back in. <laughs> we got a bunch of sports and sports related content to go over today, including the passing of an NFL legend NBA playoffs. We already talked a little bit about golf and everything that surrounds it. I'll try to sneak in more football than just this sad Jim Brown story, which we will hit on immediately. We will wrap up the show with the varsity and then you will step aside at seven o'clock, Matt and joining me will be Josh Sushan as he will. He's broadcasting the Isotopes game today, weather permitting. Griff, you're an amateur meteorologist. What's the weather like in Albuquerque right now? <laughs> it's bright and sunny as opposed to how it was this morning when we woke up. It was gray and wet and gross. It's beautiful now. Love that. I am transversing this great country, coming back from St. Louis, Missouri, from seeing my father. I know a lot of our friends of the show have been a part of that conversation we've been having all day, or I'll say it like I say it every single episode. Get your colonoscopy. Take your time right now from your busy lives. I know how you are. I know a lot of people rely on you, friend of the show. I know you provide for many, and often you overlook providing for yourself. Do reach out to your primary care physician. Schedule your colonoscopy today if you're at an age when it is so a custom for you to do so and take care of yourself. My father currently mapped through his first round of chemotherapy, and I'm not one to say positive things if I don't know positive things, but I'll tell you this, he's on the right track. He's doing the right That's thing. So my, yes, my, fa- my father underway. So a uh, big shout out to my dad, Randall. Uh, love him greatly. I'm currently in Oklahoma City, making my way over to Albuquerque. Excited to be back 
for the weekend. I'll be in studio on Monday. We are out and about in the community. Tuesday, I think we're at somewhere. Wednesday, we're throwing out the first pitch at Isotopes Park. That's going to be a lot of fun. Thursday, we're going to be live from the historic El Rey Theater as Duke City Championship Wrestling has its inaugural match night. So we're excited to bring pro wrestling back to the city of Albuquerque. That's going to be an absolute blast. And then Friday, I have to head up to Denver for the NCAA Track and Field National Championships. Van will be headlining the show, so it's going to be a lot of fun this upcoming week. All right, Matt, you and I talked NFL for about a million years. You and I talk a lot of social everything for as long as we could, and there's not a Bigger combination of NFL and social activism and rights than Jim Brown. Jim Brown today is passed at the age of 87, one of the greatest football players, but even one of the most greater people of all time. Matt, how did Jim Brown hit you as a football fan in your youth? Oh, well, I mean, he won't retire before I started watching football, right. but everything I heard about Jim Brown was how he retired too early. He was dominant. I think he averaged like six yards a carry, something ridiculous like that. I mean, he was uh, he was unstoppable and retired early so he could go to Hollywood and become an actor. And he started movies like The Dirty Dozen, Ice Station Zebra, uh, The Running Man. I mean, that's the first movie I remember seeing. I, when I hear Jim Brown, I actually think of The Running Man. I think he was Fireball. He was the guy with the blowtorch. Right. Um, but another interesting thing about Jim Brown is that you know, he was part of the civil rights movement back in the 60s. There was that iconic picture of uh, like him and Muhammad Ali and Bill Russell. And um, I think uh, at the time, Lou Alcindor, you know, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at some place down in Miami. And now Jim Brown was kind of known for being a Trump supporter. So he was kind of went on one end of the political spe- uh, spectrum on to the other. I know there were a lot of people when he was in the White House when uh, Donald Trump was president, there were a lot of people who were upset with him for being in that White House and having court with uh, the 45th president of the United States. But uh, rest in peace, Jim Brown, a football player, one of the all-time greats, and what a lot of people don't know about Jim Brown, he also was a very good lacrosse player, uh, lacrosse player when he was at Syracuse. Oh, who knew? Yeah, they, I wouldn't have got that yeah. one. The, all, all the All-American. Re- the reason I was talking about the activism is because it so often happens when when people of notoriety or celebrity or fame, they pass. You're also going to get that other part of the conversation, right? You're going to get the scumbag aspect part of the conversation. Yeah. And, you're, and, you're, and people are going to talk about, uh, like, he had a little bit of a, of a checkered pass. Obviously, there were some arrests in his life, and there were some things going on. I am one to give flowers. I am one at the time when flowers are necessary. I, I give them the due. I'm also a fan of honesty, Matt, but I feel that mm-hmm. honesty comes with timing. And I don't necessarily know if this is the appropriate timing for that laundry list of things that you could, you could say are not pro Jim Brown. Um, but they do exist. They are out there in the atmosphere and, yeah. and people, people are checkered, my man. Oh, well, I mean, like you can't tell the story of Elvis without talking about fat Elvis. You can't tell the story of skinny Elvis without telling the story of fat Elvis. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. But, I mean, the, the man is a legend. He's an icon. He just passed. You don't want to be that person who, after the, the helicopter accident that claimed the life of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the six other passengers of the helicopter, to remind everybody that Kobe Bryant was up on sexual assault charges like 20 years ago. You don't want to be that person. Well, uh, but, and- you know <clears> – <throat> Oh, you're right, Matt. And that's what I was going to say, too. You know, I think it's okay to feel complicated feelings. You know, Absolutely, because people are complicated. 
Yeah. And, and how difficult it is, you know, now in, in this atmosphere, in this, in this world we live in to be able to say, Hey, this is actually shades of gray, you know, cause you want to be so, uh, I am right. And you are wrong, regardless of your opinion or the opposition one. And, and I just don't necessarily know how fitting that always is. I think your Kobe Bryant example is a really good example though, because oh, yeah. you can, yeah, you can you can celebrate those that deserve to be celebrated without chastising them for their past actions. Now, I'm not going to say that that slate exists without because because it's absolutely there and it's relevant. But it's it's do you need to necessarily put a megaphone in front of that person talking right now? I don't think you need to. No. And like, let's, you know, overall, you know, most people are good. So after they pass, let's try to remember the good. You know, we can have we can do a deeper dive on Jim Brown's life at another time. Um, you know, this, the, the same thing kind of happened after Bill Russell passed away. Now, Bill Russell doesn't have the same kind of checkered past that Jim Brown did. But Bill Russell, a lot of people, you know, they see Bill Russell and he looks like, you know, somebody's grandpa or the old man that you would see at the coffee shop every now and then or whatever. Bill Russell did not have a reputation of being a very nice person to right. either either uh, other players in the NBA, players that came after him in the NBA, or just the general public. Bill Russell did not have a great reputation of being a nice guy. And that people really didn't start talking about that until well after he had passed. Yeah, there yeah, that's an interesting one too, because I think whenever you you rise to your claim of fame, which is is what? That's your art, right? And and if you create your art, you're an artist. And and is it possible to always separate those things? It's not. You know, but I think for some reason, and maybe it's my profession or maybe it's because I live in the world of sports, but I don't do this well with musicians. Like if you were to talk to me about like an R. Kelly or like a Michael Jackson or I'm just naming the obvious ones because there's no reason to go further in explanation. I really struggle with those guys. I can't I can't separate those things. But then for some reason, when it does come to like a Jim Brown or a a Bill Russell or Kobe Bryant or a. we're from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Bobby Hall just passed away not long ago. Like whenever, yeah. whenever, whenever it comes to like these athletes, I for some reason I'm like, eh, give it a little bit of time. And I'm like, I don't understand why I, why I'm so differential in that opinion because they all kind of yeah. stand publicly in the same spotlight. And I'm kind of like the opposite of you. Like when it comes to like musical artists, sometimes I can compartmentalize. You know, yeah. if if I hear the way you make me feel on the radio, I don't care. I'm going to sing along to it. You know, same thing. Like I, I think Ted Nugent is about as vile a human being as there as as it gets. Sure. If I hear strength, if I hear stranglehold or cast scratch fever, I'm cranking it. <laughs> I don't care. I can separate the I can separate the artist from the person. I can't compartmentalize. And I think a lot of times people in society, <clears throat> I think you're seeing a, a people really struggle with this, especially a younger a younger generation. They want everybody to be perfect. They think that everybody is born as this completed subject, you know, like you, you don't grow as a person. I mean, Fred, I'm, I'm, I'm considerably older than when you are. I'm 46, you know, I'm, you know, staring right at, at 50, you know, it's not going to be that far off. I mean, there are times when like people go to, go to your Facebook memories and look at the stuff you posted like yeah. 10 years ago, 11, you're going to be like, why did I think that was funny? Why did I think that was interesting? How many people have ever said, I can't believe I wore that. I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I used to listen to that. We're all like that. Nobody is, is a perfect product coming right out of the womb. Well, and I think what's interesting about that concept, too, is because I live, you know, of a moral code to where it's as long as you're not harming yourself or you're harming others, you're fine. You can be a doofus. Yeah. You can be an idiot. You can have weird hobbies. You can do whatever. But some of these, these people we're talking about here, they've harmed others. 
and and they you have. have and you having like a dumb opinion on a rock album that was no good. You and I used to do a bit where I'd say Weird Al Yankovic was the greatest rock and roll artist <laughs> of all time. Yeah, you did. And, and you would say no, he's not. And I'm sure that is snuck into social media at some point. And you're like, you're like, what am I talking about? Weird Al is the greatest oh, artist of all time. I, I know people who who will make the sound argument, the solid argument that Weird Al Yankovic belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's me. That's 100% me. How can you okay. have one band for the entirety of your career that can play every genre of music, entertain tens of thousands of people in a single evening, and then walk off and do the exact same thing tomorrow night? <laughs> Greatest of all time. <laughs> and songwriter. And songwriter. Thank you, Griff. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a talented guy, but I mean, he falls under, to me, he's more of a comedian than he is a musician. As not a musician who's a, com- as a comedian. Hey, that's why I'll never get in a broadcast hall of fame because I'm more of a comedian than a broadcaster. Today, okay, well, the radio, the radio hall of fame was like in someone's basement in Chicago. There's <laughs> something more overrated than that. If Howard, today, Stern, if Howard Stern can reject the radio hall of fame, I'm not saying I'm above Howard Stern. That's <laughs> touche. Also, any organization that wants to have me, that's the old, that's the old Groucho Marx. There you today, go. <laughs> uh, today's I-9 Varsity, Griff, this is going to be a good one. Matt just brought this one up to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in stone. Today's I-9 Varsity is the I-9 Varsity of terrific art, terrible artists. So we will do that today. Uh, Matt, okay. we, will, we will introduce you to your very first varsity segment. For those that are not familiar with the varsity, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Mount Rushmore segment. I mean, it's the, the best of the sure. best kind of segment. So today's I-9 varsity, which we will hold before the end of the program, probably the 545 slot so we can end on a note. We will, or, excuse me, the 545 slot so we can end on a note. We will have terrific art, terrible artists. That's today's I-9 varsity. We're going to have a lot like, of fun with that. Like terrible, terrible as a person or just terrible as an artist, and they just found some way to make something good one time? However you interpret it, that's what we'll okay. go with. <laughs> All right. You're over here like, uh, Charles Manson created cool spiders <laughs> with his hair. Yeah. The passing you know, of uh, you know, Adolf Hitler was an author. <laughs> <laughs> Say so many every time something weird comes up. We're going to step yeah. away a minute early, Chris, so we can come back and uh, talk a little bit about the NBA. There was a big basketball game last night. There's a bigger basketball yes, game was. tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. As I mentioned, we will go over the PGA Championship. I believe Bryson DeChambeau is still currently playing unless the rain has stopped. He, I'll pull up that and give live updates on the return happy friday everyone i hope it's a payday for you whenever we get back more two men on 95.9 fm and am 610 the sports animal take us with you anywhere Anywhere. well anywhere with cell service Download the KNML app in the google play or itunes app store just search KNML. Five nineteen on the clock. Griff says it's like 80 degrees out. If you're headed down to the ballpark, get down to the ballpark early. Me and Van, we're not there. We're making up for it, though. We'll be live from the ballpark, live from the lab next Wednesday and next Friday night. Come hang out with us then. Do arrive early next Wednesday. Van and I are throwing out the first pitches. Matt, you ever thrown out a first pitch? Never. It's on the bucket list, though, but I have no idea how that's ever going to happen. But that's awesome that your guys' uh, baseball team was named the Isotopes because that's the name of the baseball team uh, in Springfield on the Simpsons. 
Yeah, correct. That is absolutely what it was named after. So whenever the Dukes made the transition to the ice tubs, this would have been 2003, I guess. Um, yeah, that's when the decision was made. And then ABQ Dukes, which by the way, ABQ Duke, Albuquerque Dukes.com, big sponsor of the program. Big thank you today. We'll be live from the ABQ Duke store next Monday. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a cool lineage here, man. As far as triple yeah. baseball, you know me, you know, but I'm baseball through and through. And I think I've been to, I don't know, over 60, maybe 70 minor league stadiums or independent league or whatever. Um, okay. it's, it's, at, it's at or near the top, my man. It's like, who, it, I, who are I they? Who are they? Who are they the affiliate with? Is that the Dodgers? The Rockies. Yeah, the Rockies. Oh, the, the Rockies. So, okay. That makes yeah, sense. So, and, and they're so incredible as well. And that's who had us out to spring training. And, and they just they treat us so, so insanely well. The, the Rockies the have to figure – Yeah, the, the isotopes are, are top tier. And, uh, and they win some games. And, you know, we're out here. You haven't been out to Albuquerque yet, Matt, but at the time it comes. I have not. We're, we're out here at like 6,500 feet up in the air. Like the ball – just goes just <laughs> like it just yeah, yeah like the pitchers well, come here to die <laughs> well the next time you talk to the people with the colorado rockies tell yes. them thank you tell them thank you for for nolan arenado he's he's been tremendous for the cardinals uh yeah 1000th rbi the other night and i didn't even mention yes, it on air because yeah. that's not good for rockies fan <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's it's a cool organization. Like, um, and they do stuff with with players that you're like, well, this this might be the end of the road, or this might be closer to a, and and they bring guys up. But right now, currently, we talked about this last night on the program with the Rockies. There are eleven dudes who at one mm-hmm. point have been an isotope this season. So the Rockies okay. aren't afraid to to bring dudes up and have them contribute. So yeah, so kind my of a cool par- thing. My parents have been to Coors Field and they they loved it. They said it was gorgeous. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, the. The the whole city of Denver does really well with sports. Speaking of, the city yeah. of Denver did well last night. The yeah, Denver Nuggets over the Los Angeles Lakers, and that's after a full day and a half of sports talk radio around this country saying how the Lakers had figured it out and the Lakers <laughs> had the key to the Nuggets and the Lakers were going to pull it out. But like I said last night in this program, take the five and the half and take the under. Both of them hit. You're welcome, friend of the show as the Denver Nuggets pulled this one out at home against the Lakers 2-0 lead. It feels commanding at this point, Matt. Yeah, and I said last night that Anthony Davis was due for an Anthony Davis game where he was Mm -hmm. going to underperform. And last night, yep, Anthony Davis, he underperformed. And LeBron looked old last night. He looked really old. I mean, he had a couple of blown layups. And I heard today that he has not made a three-pointer in the fourth quarter since the Memphis Grizzlies series. He took three of them so, on, like, three straight series. I was like, what yeah, are you he doing, did. my man? He, 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 he doesn't have the energy to get to the rack anymore like he used to. He's 38. He's been in the league for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he went to the NBA Finals eight years in a row. I mean, that is a lot of miles. And even though he's a physical specimen, I mean, right now, me, you, almost every male listening would probably plop down a lot of money to be six eight and two hundred and seventy pounds of chiseled steel. But I'm not, not far everybody. Off. Yeah, not everybody. Uh, a father time is undefeated. So <laughs> yeah. you know, there, and there's a reason for that. But let, let, let's 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 talk about the Vickers last night, and that's the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray went off unreal in the unreal. fourth quarter. Unreal. He, he could he could not miss. And 37 on 11 of 24 shooting. Um, my dude was a dude last night. Six of yes. 14 from the three, nine from 10 from the charity. I tell you what, 
if if you think that you can stop the Joker, look you at can. the rest of the roster. Like it's unreal. You and I uh, watched Michael Porter Jr. a ton in college too. I know yeah. he's got more than what he's contributing to this team because that's the role he's currently in. Yeah, I mean, and he's had some serious back issues too. So you don't, especially when it comes to the, the a back and a basketball player running up and down the hard the hardwood, you have no idea how he really feels. Obviously, good enough to play, but he probably doesn't feel like he used to whenever he was playing in college or even AAU or high school. Um, but back to uh, Nikola Jokic. There is not a more boring, fantastic player in the NBA probably since Tim Duncan. He's tremendous. He's amazing. You look at a stat line, but he has got like a two-inch vertical. Um, you know, he doesn't play with a lot of flair or a lot of personality. He's got like the, the, the flat top, kind of like a Rocky villain haircut. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks he looks like the European boxer that Rocky would go overseas to fight to free democracy. Um, but he's tremendous. I mean, his, his as good as he is as an offensive player, his passing is is top notch. He's like Arvidas Sabonis. He had, remember Arvidas Sabonis when he played for the Blazers. He might have been the best passing big man of all time. I think he had two reverse cross eyes. He could see like yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he's like a lava lizard. Yeah, that oh, good word. And thank you. The, yeah, the the thing last night is the the game starts off slow for the Denver's. The first ninety seconds or so, you're like, oh, the Lakers are going to roll it. The Lakers got the and I'm hey, Fred, you're talking about ninety seconds. I'm talking about setting the tone of the game, friend of the show. Don't get it twisted. And then Jokic ends up getting like a putback offensive rebound, draws a foul. It's a little hook thing as he's falling away. There's no like, let's go, let's stop this thing. There's just a, yeah, walks to the free throw line, just walks to the free throw line, and I'm That's like, it. I mean, what are you doing, guy? Like, inspire me, <laughs> yeah, inspire I mean, me. He he doesn't play with a lot of passion. You know, he's kind of even keeled the entire uh, the entire game. Uh, there isn't like a real emotional leader for that team, unless maybe it is Jamal Murray. Um, but the thing with that with this Nuggets team is that. They are, when fully healthy, they are extremely talented. I mean, when you have Jamal Murray and you have Michael Porter Jr. and you have Aaron Gordon, I mean, they have any, like, if, if someone, for some reason, Jokic has an a off night or Jamal Murray has an off night, this is the night that usually Aaron Gordon will take over or Michael right. Porter Jr. will take over and can carry it home. Now, I think we're going to see a different animal when we, when the series shifts to Los Angeles because the Lakers have not lost at home at uh, the Crypto.com Arena, and Denver has not been very good on the road. Uh, they weren't very good on the road in the regular season, and they haven't been very good on the road in the playoffs. I mean, they went to Phoenix and had some real issues uh, in games three and four, and then obviously finished off Phoenix in game six in, in uh, traumatizing fashion for Monty Williams. But um, th- this Nuggets team, I, I, I can't see this Lakers winning four games against this Nuggets team. I just can't see it happening. Well, I mean, if Hakamura has got to carry the team every single night, I mean, that's the problem I'm seeing. The problem I'm seeing is you got LeBron, who you just mentioned is a little more magic than he is Michael, and he doesn't have that, hey, I'm going to take the ball at the end and win the game at the end. He has the, hey, I'm going to facilitate a win, which, by the way, still equals a win. It's just that's not, what this team, that's not what this team needs in this moment. This team well, needs, like whenever you said, whenever Anthony Davis is doing AD things, you got to have a guy that can be a guy. They don't currently have that guy. Le- LeBron is still a great player. He just can't do it every single night like he did, 
you know, five years ago or, you right. know, obviously 10 years ago. He just, he, like, uh, I think what he's kind of doing is that he's saving that game that we all know that he can have, like he did in game six against the Golden State Warriors where he had 30 points and what was it like, uh, you know, a bunch of rebounds. I think he was one assist away from a, from a triple-double. Right. Um, he, I think he's kind of saving that game until it is an elimination game. Either they're at, at risk of being eliminated or they're on the verge of eliminating the, the Nuggets. But I don't I, – because he just can't do that every night. He can't um, extend that kind of energy on a game two. Okay, you won game two. Now he's shot for game three, four, and five because he's 38 years old. So I think he's kind of reserving himself and saving himself for that game. From the Sports Animal live chat, if you're not tuning in with us on the live stream, facebook.com slash talkabq, youtube.com slash talkabq, uh, or go to talkabq.com, follow the links. Friend of the show, Joel, says the emotional leader of the Nuggets is Coach Malone. That's an interesting one to me because the NBA is, is a league. Yeah. Yeah, this is a league now where players run coaches out. This is not – Yeah, we're going yeah, to talk about Greg Harden a little bit. Where And then he walks off. You know, So it's a – does Coach Malone have that connection – with his players, LeBron ran off a coach before. Like, does he have that connection with his players to where they're like, oh, we subscribe to this dude's energy. We're in. You know who else I think has that? That's the Eastern Conference Finals. That's Eric Spolstra. I think Eric Spolstra has that too. And interesting to me how differently you can design two teams. Well, the the thing with the Miami Heat is that they have an established pecking order and everybody knows it. Yeah. The pecking order goes Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler. Everybody else, everybody else falls in line. There's nobody else out there trying to show off. Everybody knows their role. Everybody goes out there and does their job. You actually so forgot you, on top of the, the fact Riley. that. Oh, I was going to say Udonis Haslam is a top of Pat Riley. He's number. Oh, one. Oh, oh. <laughs> you're you're right about that. Yeah. So it goes: Udonis Haslam, Pat Riley, Eric Spolster, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> um, I, I think that the job that Eric Spolster has done cannot be understated. He's got four undrafted players that he has in the Eastern Conference Finals. Four. That's unheard of in the NBA. In the NFL, half the team is undrafted. Half the league is undrafted. Right. In the NBA, I mean, uh, Jokic is a second round player. You almost never see that, other than maybe outside of Draymond Green. Name another player from the second round that has gone on to do great things in the NBA. So the fact that Eric Smolster and the Miami Heat have four undrafted players, two that start and two that see regular playing time and they win game one of the Eastern Conference Finals is absolutely amazing. Now, I don't think they're going to win it. I think Boston's the better team, and I think they're probably going to blow the heat out tonight. But the fact that they won game one, they made it as far as they have is unbelievable. From the Sports Animal Live chat, please join us on the live stream. We have a lot of fun with that. Friend of the show, Joel, says again, LeBron fumbled that dunk. He did fumble that dunk. Is that a is that a moment to you, Matt? Does that feel like anything to you, or is that the ball just getting away? There's two I mean, conversations. I think, I think that's the ball just kind of getting away. I know Jill's saying that LeBron tried showing off. LeBron's never really been a show-off dunker. I mean, he kind of does like the whole kind of side tomahawk thing or whatever, but he's never been one to like throw it off the backboard or do like a 360 or anything like that. I think a lot of like the reason why LeBron fumbled is that I think it's it's him just being tired. Um, you know, you're up there playing in the thin air. I don't care. You know, they say it takes you a few days to get used to it. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're 38 years old. You've got a billion miles on the NBA body. 
I think he was just tired because there was another one where he made the steal. He had like an easy reverse layup and he completely blew that, that one too. And I think a lot of that is just exhaustion. Also, every moment he's not on camera, like if it's in the back or what, otherwise he's on an oxygen thing. Don't think he's not like the, yeah, like all he these, absolutely is. All these guys are going there. We're, Griff, we're going to stretch a little long here. So to me, Matt, does Denver just start leaving LeBron open at the three? Is this like Ben Simmons treatment for LeBron? Yeah. Absolutely, I would. Yeah, absolutely, I would. I would be like, okay, we're closing off the paint, and uh, yeah, go for it. Shoot the three. And if, if you win the game because suddenly LeBron James gets hot behind the three-point line, then then so be it. You'll live with the results. But he's like, what, 0 for 20 on three-pointers in the fourth quarter? You know, in the fourth quarter, that's when you're the most exhausted – that's when your legs are. That's when your legs are shot, and if his legs are too tired to get to the rim, then his legs are going to be too tired to really make any of those jump shots. And, and the proof has been in the pudding. Well, and then the on top of that is whenever you're in the fourth quarter and you're worried about protecting, you don't really have to worry about the rim if Jamal Murray on the other end is getting you a point per possession. Like yeah. it's it. It was a wild night, and also everything we just said. We're talking. It was like. Like Denver rolled, they were in control the whole time. It was a thing. It was within three with a minute left. <laughs> like there, there was, yeah. It's not like Denver blew them out by twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, they and they had to come from behind, and a lot of that was due to Jamal Murray getting hot in the fourth quarter. Now, yeah, you know, like if you're Denver, you can't count on Jamal Murray to do that every single night. No, but I mean, you you don't need to when you've got probably the best player in the world right now uh, wearing your uniform, and that's Nikola Jokic. Final thoughts on the series as it goes into the weekend, Matt. What does this thing look like on Monday? Uh, I think what it looks like on Monday, I think I think the Lakers, I think they win game three, and I think Denver wins game four, and they finish it out in Denver. I think I think the, I think the Nuggets are going to win in five. The Lakers have been playing with house money this entire time, and I think that um, the, the bill is going to come due here re- relatively soon, unless for some reason, unless for some reason, the Anthony Davis just goes insane. And you're saying that because now, like, every other day Anthony Davis is back, and he should be back on Saturday, and that'll be one for the Lakers at home. And then yeah. come Monday night, they won't be able to do two in a row. I could subscribe to that the way you're presenting it to me. I do think there'll be a national conversation, though, and this is stupid that I'm saying it. I do think there's a national conversation that'll go like this. The Lakers have them right where they want them. And well, of course, they're the Lakers. They're, they're the Lakers. They're the, one of the most popular brands not just in the NBA, but in professional sports and probably the world. I mean, you could probably go to, you know, some of the far-flung corners of the earth. You're going to see people there wearing, you know, a, a Lakers shirt or a Lakers hat. People right. know who the Los Angeles Lakers are. They've won 17 national cha- – they've won 17 championships. You know, they've had um, – I, I saw this thing where they're showing, like, all these cu- uh, clutch players over time. You, you'd be amazed how many of them were Lakers. Jerry West – and Kobe Bryant and Kareem and Shaq and James Worthy. I right. mean, you saw a lot of purple and gold in that list. They're, I mean, they're one of the crown jewels of professional sports. People are going to talk about them. Well, there's a reason Fletch wasn't wearing like an Alex English jersey. You're like, right. It, it just doesn't track like that. He was not wearing a Denver. He was not wearing a Denver Nuggets hat. From the Sports Animal live chat, thank you to everyone involved. They believe it'll be a gentleman's sweep as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Joel. Whenever we get back from the break, Matt, we're going to preview the big one tonight. You're a Heat guy. We haven't really talked about that. I'm a Miami Heat fan. Yes, sir. You through and through are, and we will hit on that at length as we preview they against St. Louis talent Jason Tatum. I only make mention of it every time because 
our basketball <laughs> talent kind of felt Bradley Beal can go a little bit, but it's not the same level. It's it's a whole nother. Oh, thing. I mean, you got Bradley Beal. Uh, is Ben McLemore? Is he still in the NBA? I'm not he's sure. Not, yeah, he's not okay. anymore. But I mean, he wasn't. A, he he was a pretty good player. Uh, David, Lee. David Lee. Yeah, David yeah. Lee could go. Yeah, there was there was a bunch of St. Louis guys that went for long. There were some who didn't. Like there was there were some guys who should have. Like Larry got to the finals one year with LeBron, Larry Hughes, and you're like, why? Yeah. Why is this happening? <laughs> that Cavaliers team was so bad. The worst team ever. Up until this Miami Heat team and Jimmy Butler is going to take them to the finals. We'll talk about that whenever <laughs> we get back. It's two men on. Steph is at the John Lopez Real Estate in Coldwell Banker Legacy Studio. I was not able to start the day today with the YMCA of Central New Mexico, but I will on Sunday, or excuse me, not Sunday because they're closed on Sunday mornings. I will on Monday morning as I will be back in town, and I'm excited about that to get back on my routine. Don't forget that we're live from the ABQ Duke store on Monday night. Come hang out with your boys. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to celebrate baseball and all things adjacent to baseball. This upcoming Thursday, I believe we're throwing Thursday at ABQ Axe, $7.50 off every single round of axe throwing that you want to be a part of. We will be a part of it with you do not forget as well that we're at Isotopes Park next Wednesday and Friday night. Come hang out with your boys. You buy us a beer, we'll buy you one. That's unofficial. That's from us, not the show or the station or the isotopes. That's strictly out of Van's pocket. That is not an incentive <laughs> for anything else. Also, we're giving away post Malone tickets. We'll give those away on the broadcast at some point today. We'll come up with some sort of exciting tease and we'll do that at five o'clock on the dot. That'll be a lot of fun as well. Griff, everything sound good on your end? You guys sound really good. Perfect. Two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. D, Sports Animal. This is where New Mexico comes for sports. 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. I'm seeing 10. Welcome back to the program. We're talking about the spread off the air for the Celtics and heat tonight. I guess in your fandom world, you call it the heat and the Celtics. Does that matter to you? No, no, not at all. Um, Because I I mean, it's, it's been a good back and forth. I mean, during the heat days of the, uh, you know, mid 2000 or 2010s, I guess you say early 2010s, uh, the Miami heat, they own the Boston Celtics. So, I'm not worried about that, but then lately it's been kind of like the Heat will beat the Celtics one year, then the the, the Celtics will beat the Heat, and, and 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 this year I think the Celtics are going to beat the Heat. They should beat the Heat. They've got the better team. They've got the better players. Uh, uh, the only thing they don't have better they don't have a better they don't have a better coach. Well, they definitely don't have a better coach, and they don't have my father Jimmy Butler, who's out there doing oh, that thing every single night. Six thirty start is that one tonight locally. It is at the TD Garden, and if the first thing I do when I look at these is I look at wides, right? So the odds right now is Boston is, depending on where you're looking at, wherever you're putting your money down, either a 9, a 9.5, or a 10-point favorite against Miami. And what that says to me is Vegas thinks that Miami is content with getting one and they're just going to lay down tonight? That's what they – well, either that or they think that because, like I said, when it comes to talent, the, the Boston does have a superior team. So they just think that Jason Tatum is going to go off after having a completely horrible fourth quarter in game one where he didn't even take a shot and he had two turnovers. 
So um, I think they probably are just counting on that. And another thing, too, is that the Miami Heat, they shot, I, I forgot what the percentage was from three-point in game one. I think it might have been close to like 50%. The Miami Heat are not going to do that again. They were actually one of the more lower-scoring teams in the NBA during the regular season, and they didn't shoot the three-ball very well, even though they have some decent three-point shooters like Duncan, Rob, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, who's out, um, and he probably won't be back until next season. Um, but I think they're just kind of thinking that, the, the Celtics are going to get hot. The Heat are going to cool down. But trust me, the Miami Heat are not going up there thinking that, hey, we're lucky that we won game one. No, they won game two. And then they well, want to come back to Miami and finish it. Well, and speaking of Miami, not thinking, Vegas is. Because if the over-under on this one's 216, Matt, I'll give you an example. Last night it was 226 for the Lakers in the Nuggets game, and they came up short on that one. Not only do they think the Heat are going to fall by greater than 10, they think – it's going to be an absolute blowout because at a yeah. two six at a two sixteen mark, you're not talking about any points in this one. And Jalen Brown, who I don't think is as good as the NBA thinks he is, I'm not the guy who doesn't like like really good players. Like I'm the guy who supports talent. I'm the guy who supports mm-hmm. guys who can go. But when I look at Jalen Brown, I don't see a superstar. I like it. I he, just, he doesn't click with me that way. So it, no. so with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I guess they're in a position to where they have to at home make a really loud statement, and you would do that with a big blowout here because I think just just eking one out is too much life for the Heat as they return to Miami. Well, I mean, deep down, I think the Heat are going to tell you that mission accomplished. You want to go up there, you want to win one, you want to get the home court advantage back, and that's what they've done because the same thing happened in Milwaukee with, with round one in Milwaukee. They went to Milwaukee, they won game one, they yeah. got blown out in game two, and then they came back to Miami and won the next two games. So I think the Heat are going to be satisfied. I mean, if you win game two by 20 points and everybody's still healthy, everybody's that, that you deem important is healthy at the end of the game, who cares what the score is? It's game two. This is a best of, this is a, a you know, a best of seven series. So if you're the Miami Heat, you, I'm not saying they're going to go up there and, you know, uh, fall back on their laurels. They're going to be like, ah, who cares? That's, that's just not the Miami Heat way. Uh, that's just not key culture. They're going to go up there. They're going to try to win. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be talented enough, and I think Boss is going to come out with vengeance. So hear me out. They hit 16 threes in game one. I just go out and just chuck them. Just go, like if like if if you don't necessarily think, if you for whatever reason are like, we got the one, we can do this thing at home. If you are of that energy, which, by the way, I don't love that energy, but if you are, mm-hmm. go chuck threes. Like when Why this not? team hits threes, like yeah. they're unstoppable. Like, you got the if, talent if, to do it. If you're there and just for some reason that, uh, that, 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 uh, that hoop is starting to look like a, uh, like a beach ball, yeah, by all means, if you're hot, go for it. Go up there and win game two. I'm not saying you're going to go up there and try not to. I'm just saying that if they're not going to go up there and if it's a blowout like midway through the third quarter, I can't see Eric Spolcher going, okay, Everybody, we're, we're going to go, you know, balls to the wall and try to win this thing tonight. Either going to be like, okay, we're going to maybe deepen the rotation a little bit, get some players out there, and then mission accomplished. Let's get back to Miami and hope South Beach will do their thing. Well, you know, you make that point, and I guess I didn't think about it that way, to where if there's four or five minutes left in the game and they're chasing, give me a real number, 10, 20? Now, 10's not it, but they're chasing 15, 20. Does Spolster pull his boys out, and then whoever comes in comes in, and then that one, then that score or that total points like inflates for the Celtics because that's where the money's at. Wouldn't shock me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah at, the end, at the end of the day, I want to see a really good game. But at the end of the day, I want our friends of the show to come out a couple bucks ahead. And I mean, I called it last night in the Laker game. Like they were going to do weird stuff with their lineup and they're going to try to hold the ball a little longer. And, and it ended up playing out that way where they didn't hit the 226 and it was within the five and a half by a half. But Vegas doesn't make this thing not hey. close on purpose. So are you saying, are you saying take the Celtics and the over or take the Celtics and the under? I'm saying take the Celtics and the under, I guess. I would and, too. And, yeah. And, and I don't love it. I don't love it at all. But if the Heat end up pulling it out and taking the two-game lead on the road, well, what? You got a super entertaining game that you got to watch. And if it doesn't yeah. work out that way, your $10 parlay ended up being kind of fun. So, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I you got a little money in the bank. Yeah, I, my, I would too. I agree with that bet. That's my thing right now. Cause, and we're going to talk about the PGA Championship when we get back. But that's my thing right now. It's I need a little bit of juice on some of this stuff. Like I Like, it's Friday night. Like, this isn't Thursday night. Like this is like like if you're gonna sit at home and make the time to to do just put ten bucks on it figure it out it's a lot of fun. Is this sports betting legal in New Mexico? I don't know. Uh, casino, yeah. So you can go down the to casino. Yeah, any of the sports book par- uh, partners of the program, and you can go down there and do that thing. But, okay. Yeah. It's, can, you, uh, can you do it, you do it on, the, on an app too or just in the no, casino? No. It so the on the app betting in New Mexico is like the TikTok in Montana. Just can't gotcha. do it. Just can't do it. <laughs> TikTok in Montana. Well done. PGA Championship update. Oh, we didn't get a prediction. You got you have the you have the heat falling on the road. Correct. I, I, I'm predicting a Celtics blowout. I'm with you. I would take the Celtics in the points, and I would go with the under. I don't hate that at all. PGA Championship leaderboard and what we think is going to happen over the weekend. Do you want to talk Triple Crown at all today? I just I have zero passion for it. Like none, none yeah. at all. Like it's the Triple Crown to me is like the NHL playoffs. Like, do not. I I mean, I have more interest in the NHL playoffs than I do the Triple Crown. Um, but, I mean, we don't have to talk about either one. The guy at top right now was not on the top yesterday. We'll tell you who it is, and we'll tell you what changed from top to bottom. It's two men on, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. The Sports Animal is now 27 years old. What we're saying is, it's now not creepy to tell us how good we look for our age. Just remember, we're not that kind of station. Creeper. It's a tight one in this one, and then it's 5 o'clock. From the Sports Animal live texter, 505-246-0610. Is that Van with a frog in his throat? No, that's Matt Berger joining us on the program. <laughs> Van's not here. But uh, I'm wearing a Van Halen shirt. Similar in spirit. Better? Yeah, similar in spirit. He's got a van in it. The top of the leaderboard. Used to or usually? Because one of those things is creepier. Used to. Okay. Used to. <laughs> uh, the, that hack, Bryson DeChambeau, has fallen from the top of the leaderboard at the PGA Championship. It is now. Uh, the prodigal son, Scotty Scheffler, at the top. He's being chased by that Canadian Connors, and that makes sense to me because Oak Hill East Course is basically in Canada, home field advantage. You think it's home field advantage? The, the, Rochester's it's, Canada. No, it's not in Canada. It's That's like five minutes. York. It's like right there on the on the 
Ontario Ocean to Canada. I think it's. I think Rochester is probably closer to New York City than it is to Canada. I could be no, wrong. it's on the water right there. Get pulled. Oh, is it really? well, that, that explains why it's been so cold then. Because here's what the ironic thing is: this is the PGA Championship, which used to be played in August, and they after they had the PGA Championship here at Bell Reve in St. Louis, and it was hotter than you know what. Yes, they moved it to the middle of May because the golfers were complaining about how hot it was. So they moved the PGA Championship to like uh, early August or mid August to mid May for the weather. And then they, and now, and then they put it in cold. Canada. It's in yeah, Canada. Hey, uh, you know what we should do with the U.S. Uh, championship, the PGA championship? Well, I guess the U.S. Opens like in different places all the time, anyways. But yeah, they're like, yeah, let's just throw this thing in Canada. It's fine up here. It's terrible. <laughs> the, there's sideways rain right now. Bryson DeChambeau, who's a hack, anyways, he has to hold his umbrella like the like the like the girl Morton Salt, like trying to protect himself from okay. like the weather. Like it's it's brutal out there. It's not good what? golf. What's with all this uh, this Bryson DeChambeau uh, slander? I mean, does he owe you money or something? He's got plenty of it playing in the live. He's got mm-hmm. all of it. He's got every single dollar, and no one knows how if he's any good at golf because no one watches the live. Zero people You're right about watch it. There you go, PGA Championship. <laughs> <laughs> There's your PGA we, Championship update. We sponsor a golfer, like we sponsor a pro golfer. Me really. I hate it. Five o'clock when we're back. The week is over for so many people. From the Sports Animal Live text. A lot of talks about sugar daddies. I don't know, guys. Not for me. Tuning on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. I'm built tough, no four here. Rap top speed, no fourth gear. Dark side beats, no force here. Cool on top, no falls, dear. And you're like, hey, just be. Now betting for the sports animal, animal. your Your afternoon afternoon drive. drive. Number Number two, two, men men on, Van Nunley Nunley and Fred Fred Slow, Slow. and in the the on-deck circle, Robert Robert Buck D. Gibson. Gibson. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. From the Sports Animal live chat, a lot of talk about how Boston is going to take it tonight from the Sports Animal text line, 505-246. Everyone likes Matt more than Van. Just kidding. (laughs) It's that one guy who always texts about how bad Van sucks. He's saying right now, again, that Van sucks. This is Van's arch nemesis. We don't talk about it enough here. You don't want to feed that demon. Matt Berger joining me, my former co-host from when we hosted the Heavy Hitters on 590 The Fan in St. Louis, Missouri. Matt, welcome to the Albuquerque Airwaves, brother. Hey, uh, happy back on the air in Albuquerque. You guys had me on before. I believe yeah. it was a couple of years ago. I think it was during the pandemic. Yeah, during the yeah, we were because we had to get real creative at that time. Yeah, everybody <laughs> did. Sports. You had to get real creative. Lots of Mount Rushmores and lots how do you save tough. baseball and <laughs> what's your favorite sports movie and 
Yeah. Who's, who's, who's the best movie quarterback of all time? Who's the best movie pitcher of all time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. What was the first game you ever went to? Like, yeah. how, many, how, many, how many times can you do if, that segment? If you could pick one player to never get injured and their career could have been fully healthy, who would it, uh-huh. who would it be? Yep. If, yeah, if lots you could, of stuff like that. If you could uh, safely and successfully remove John Morant's knees and give them to Brandon Roy, how much better of a basketball player would he be? He'd be like, this is hyper-specific. <laughs> this is incredibly specific. Weird. Who, who's, who's, who's a better shot, John Morant or Larry Bird? Yeah, that, that I love that one. Like it's in, <laughs> at the end, at the end, it just it, it ends up coming down to like a race debate, and you're like, stop. Like, yeah, stop. It kind of does. You, yeah, you don't really want to go down that line. It's just kind of a, no. a funny joke. Well, in the show you currently work with, uh, our mutual friend Charlie Tuna, who's who's been on the air forever in St. Louis, Missouri. He asked he, Charlie asked me about you every once in a while. Yeah, how's my boyfriend doing? How's my boyfriend doing? And, that is so kind. The you know, there's an inside radio which we'll, we'll break down the fourth wall real quick. Charlie has been in the radio game in St. Louis, Missouri, forever, and hey, lots forever. of guys have been in in markets forever. The thing about Charlie Tuna, Charlie Tuna, black, and that is a big deal in St. Louis. Like, yes. he, he has been the voice of that community in St. Louis, which is so substantial in St. Louis for decades. Decades. Like, He's been doing radio longer than I've been alive, and I'm 46. I, some of the the proudest radio I was ever witness to was um, during the the Mike Brown incidents in St. Louis, and when Charlie yeah. was on air, and Charlie yeah. was just the voice of reason for a community that needed it. Charlie was, yeah. he I mean, always he was, is, yeah, just stand up dude, spectacular broadcaster, um, and the best Rolodex of anyone you've ever met. Oh, I tell Tuna all the time. His nickname is Tuna. His yeah. he's Charlie Tuna Edwards. I tell Tuna all the time that he has at least two books in him when he was selling shoes for Kangaroo. And you know that movie that came out called Air about how Nike was developing the Air Jordan yep. brand? Okay, that was almost Charlie Tuna. He almost he had Michael Jordan to go with Kangaroo. Kangaroo was going to come out with a basketball shoe. He presented it to the CEO or the, whoever the head honcho was of Kangaroo at the time, and that guy passed. So... Had that guy signed on, we, you and I probably would never have met Tuna because no. he'd be too busy partying on his yacht. We, we never would have met him. We'd all be uh, wearing kangaroos. Yeah, we'd be wearing air yeah. kangaroos. Yeah. yeah, that's what we'd be wearing. Good good call, Griff. And uh, Tuna says that he will never watch that movie. It's too, yeah, movie it's too out, home. He hits, it hits too close to home. He goes, I will never see that movie. I go, I don't blame you. I'd, be up, I'd still be up at night sick to my stomach. About how much money I lost. The a crazy one to me about the nickname Tuna. And by the way, we're talking about a radio personality that no one in Albuquerque knows about. But the thing, like whenever, <laughs> whenever Charlie Edwards, Charlie Tuna Edwards got in the game, radio guys used to have nicknames. Like nicknames have died yeah. in the world of radio. Like it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, how many? Like you know, you got Chris Mad Dog Russo. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of Mad Dogs out there, or the Animal. Or yeah. you know, there's there's always going to be people that, like yeah, nobody really. I mean, unless it's like. You know, the people call Mike Greenberg. They'll call him Greeny. Yeah, you know, or you know, Colin Cowherd is the herd with Colin Cowherd's. You know, it's a work play or a play on his last name. But you're right; no one has a nickname anymore. Yeah, that it kind of died out years ago because it used to be. You know, it'd be it'd be Slim in the Cush, and you're like, yeah. who's, which <laughs> yeah. one's Slim? It's Cooter. It's it's Skeeter and Mudflap. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, oh yeah, this this tracks. This is 100 percent on point. Now, radio's in, 
because it's like a 360 brand now. You know, we're on the terrestrial airway right now. Obviously, we're streaming on every app that you can possibly stream on. We're live on the social media video feed. Like there is just there's more to just your your traditional radio approach that that has been around forever. And then also have not everybody podcasts. Yeah, everyone. I mean, like, I mean, like, okay, like at, at 590, like when you're going to an advertiser, you're going to the advertiser with your podcast numbers because it, it's expensive to subscribe to, to Arbitron and get your Arbitron ratings. But right. there's a lot of dispute on how, how accurate Arbitron ratings are because, you know, Fred, you know, you and I back in St. Louis, what was always the number one station? KMOX, yeah. you know, the, the, the news talk radio station that had the Cardinals. Did you really know anybody that listened to KMOX when there wasn't a Cardinal game on? Well, that's a good point you're making there, and and nobody, you know, no, no one. The yeah, it's it's an interesting day and age as far as is how media is consumed because you can't tell anyone how to take it in. You just have to make it available everywhere. Absolutely, and yes, the, yeah. And the people that'll come to me and be like, "Hey, I love listening to you while I'm you know I'm I'm out working in the yard." And I'm like, "Oh, that's you know that's mm-hmm. really great." I'm like, "I'm like it's weird yeah. working the yard from four to seven every night." And they're like, "No, I catch up on you from the week." And I'm like. This is daily yeah. content. There's no reason to listen to this show more than two days from now. Like, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I was on Saturday mornings, a lot of people would be like, yeah, I'd be at my kid's soccer game, and I would listen to you on the app. Yeah. Or, you know, like, you know, right now when it's, you know, spring, summertime, I'd be outside mowing the lawn on Saturday mornings, and I would listen to you guys. But oh, one thing that you could – one thing, and I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, you never know who's listening. Because oh, Tuna would come in, and he'd be like – uh, yeah, he'd be at some place, and the Cardinals general manager, John Mosaic, he'll run into Cardinals uh, manager, John, general manager, John Mosaic, for president of baseball operations, and Mosaic will say, I listen to your guy's show every night. It's pretty sweet. That's super yeah. sweet. Yeah. That's not <laughs> like, bad. Yeah, <laughs> That's not bad. The the one the one I the the one that got me um, the first time I was like oh this guy's lying and then the second time I was like oh this is real is uh, the mayor of Albuquerque so the mayor of Albuquerque is this guy named Tim Keller he's totally great like mm-hmm. he, well I don't know if he's totally great but he's he's a good politician so anyway, so I'll run into all this stuff and he'd be like hey you remember that bit you did no I don't remember that <laughs> bit I don't remember any bit from any time. you weren't making fun of him were you no never I mean he's a nice okay. guy why would I but it's I don't make fun of anyone unless like it's uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau. But uh, thank you for that punchline. I was really struggling. But the so I I histo- when we were doing the weekend show, I told a story about my bike getting stolen. Um, and this is apparently the most listened to episode of the show ever. So anytime I go anywhere, <laughs> there's this three year old story, and people are like, "Hey man, I think I saw your bike somewhere." I'm like you did not see my bike. Like you were like you were a liar. Like you were messing. Mm-hmm. Like too much fun. Too weird. Little fun little trip down memory lane. For us there as we started the hour. Thank you, Matt, for that. You're Matt's going to be with us for the remainder of this hour. And then Josh Sushan will join us. We're going to go to break early because when we get back, um, I got to break down this Philadelphia stuff. The, the oh, clap yeah, in the playoffs, the, the coaching stuff, James Harden's going to leave. Um, I'm going to tell you this. Where he's going to land feels predetermined. But I think there might be a big curveball that no one's seeing coming, a curveball in the world of basketball, and I'll tell you what I think it is when we get back. It's two men on, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. The Duke City's home for sports. 95.9 FM and AM 610. The, the Sports, sports Animal. Animal. 
Welcome back to the program. Stop what you're doing. Go to dccwtickets.com. That's Duke City Championship Wrestling.com or dccwtickets.com. And you can get your tickets right now to next Thursday, May 25th. Doors at 7.30. Bell at, or excuse me, doors at 6. Bell at 7.30. It is the return of pro wrestling to Albuquerque. Brought to you by yours truly, Matt. How excited I am to have an exciting night of Hobo Hank versus Charlie 50. Also appearances by Mosh, Pitt, Mike, the Azen Warrior, Sean Lod, Turbo Tony, Chewy Martinez, Thunder, and so many more. Come hang out with us at the historic El Rey Theater downtown. That's the 600 block of Central. You will see us because our name's on the marquee of the building. Come hang out. It's going to be a big You are the biggest wrestling fan that I know. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you have to be the biggest wrestling fan. Because it's not just like WWE wrestling. Like You like pretty much all of it. I love it all. Like it's like if there's like if there's like a wrestler like if there's like a wrestling circuit that's at the local VFW, you're all about it. Like you don't was, you do not discriminate. I was just in St. Louis helping my dad, like while he's recovering from cancer, and I still went out that Saturday night to a pro wrestling <laughs> show at the local VFW. At a walking taco. It was a really good night. Also, that was the thing with wrestling in Albuquerque, Matt, because obviously you're still in St. Louis. Joining me on the program today, Matt Berger, my former co-host of Heavy Hitters on 590 The Fan in St. Louis. In Albuquerque, we didn't have, we don't have a pro wrestling promotion. I went that's, to the that's state. That's amazing to me. It's, well, there's kind of a lot of legalities to it. So I went to the state. Okay. I got licensed in the state. The like the I don't oh, what's the verbiage I can use on radio that's safe. The number I have to get to to put off a show financially is too high. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's just a lot of hoops and, but anyway, okay. I was like, well, well I'm going to bite this thing off and chew until I choke. So yeah, we, so Duke city championship wrestling was, was born from necessity and, uh, and inside baseball again on this program, which we're going a lot today, uh, we're selling bangers tickets. So people are coming out and if people don't get tickets early, they're not going to get tickets. And that sucks because it's the return of pro wrestling at the historic El Rey theater. And I think I would imagine if, if if there's not much of like this level of circuit wrestling in New Mexico, that there aren't a lot of wrestlers. So a lot of those wrestlers got to come in from out of town. Is that correct? We're, yeah, we're bringing a lot of guys in from yeah. Amarillo this week and some guys from El Paso. So it's gonna it's gonna be a pretty big to do. Um, now producing the program, Isaiah Johnson, who just joined us. Isaiah, welcome, Isaiah. You should like really consider pro wrestling. You're a you're a you're a collegiate football player. You got a good look. You got a good smile. You're a good talker. Like, what do I got to do to get you into the ring, Isaiah? I won't lie. I've been. It's been in the back of my mind more than it ever has before. Let's go. Let's go. Matt Berger okay. flies to town. He manages what? you. It's a whole thing. <laughs> well, like, like, what, like, what could be his name? Isaiah's name. Mm. Yeah. His, Ir- his, irresistible his Isaiah Johnson. Obviously. <laughs> He's a dime piece. He's a handsome dude. He's chiseled. So like, do we? So do, do we kind of like model him, kind of like the late ravishing Rick Rude? Yeah. Where he's the he's the arrogant wrestler. Correct. So he's going to come in. And Isaiah, I have no idea how old you are. If you even know who ravishing Rick Rude is, mm-hmm. but you can go in there. You can grab the microphone and say, "Cut my music," and say, "I want all of you fat, ugly, beer swigging yes. pigs like Mr. Kennedy kind Albuquer- of." Yeah, at Albuquerque to shut your mouths while yes. I take off my robe uh, so the women of Albuquerque can see what a real man looks like. <laughs> you're Hit my music. And you're going to tell me right now, off. if I create I like right it. now I like it. the Albuquerque Adonis, 
irresistible <laughs> Isaiah Johnson. And we put it on a robe. That's the, the Albuquerque Adonis. <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, I could be a I, little I, mixture. I think, of, I think we're on to something. I could be a mixture of John Morrison and Mr. Kennedy is what it sounds like. That, that's, new, <laughs> that's newer school than Burger's familiar with. But Yeah, I have uh, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Back to things that Matt does know about NBA talk. James Harden is an all-time legend. He got Doc kicked to the street, and then he walked the street right behind him. Maybe the most well, baller maybe. move of all time. Uh, well, see, here's my take on James Harden. James Harden, he has really never been a winning player, and he never will be a winning player. Ooh. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. I'm just saying he's not a winning player. So, And I said this for years about Carmelo Anthony, and he didn't really fully embrace it until the very end. So hopefully James Harden is going to be smarter than what Carmelo Anthony is when I tell him this. He needs to accept his fate and come off the bench. Ooh. He would be the best six man in the NBA. Let's say he goes, let's say he's like, you know what? I've got more money than I could ever spend. I want to win a title before I call it a career. And he goes down to Phoenix and he joins Kevin Durant and he joins CP3 and he joins Devin Booker and he comes off the bench. So whenever they need to spell somebody and they're either up by 10 or down by 10, and James Harden comes out there, and he can do what James Harden does best, and that's score. You hey, don't you need to do anything else. You don't need to lead the team. You don't need – even though he led the league in assists this year, which is an anomaly for James Harden, but he said he wants to go someplace where he has, quote, unquote, basketball freedom, whatever that means. So he can still have his basketball freedom and and uh, be the scorer that he is with Phoenix just coming off the bench. The, the second he gets to Phoenix, he can learn from Devin Booker because Devin Booker came off the bench at Kentucky with the weirdo yes. Harrison twins. You're right, he did. And it's like, it's like there's a moment here. The problem with James Harden in this role, James Harden too old, James Harden too expensive. So James Harden is not a sixth man. James Harden is a you, play, you pay him to play the game. He has to well, play 40 minutes every single night or you're getting diminishing return. Well, too old is the reason why he needs to come off the bench. Because yeah. if you're a bench player, you're not playing as many minutes as a starter, at least not normally. Too expensive, you're right. That's what I said, that he needs to kind of accept his fate. And, I mean, if he wants to be, you know, uh, uh, one of the highest paid players in the NBA and just go out there and just play basketball, and then when the game's over, take a shower, head to the strip club and make it rain, and that's all he wants to do for the rest of his life, so be it. That's fine. You know, not everybody is – it's not a bad life. Then by all means, go to uh, Orlando or go to Houston or go to a team that, you know, really isn't or hasn't been a serious contender for many years. Go down there and, 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 you know, do your twilight years, your NBA twilight years doing that. That's fine. But if you want to win a title, if you want to win a championship, if you want that ring, he needs to leave the NBA as he entered the NBA, and that is a scoring, it's a scoring punch that comes off the bench. He's going to win a title if he goes joins Dwight Howard in the Taiwanese League. <laughs> they go straight to the top, cannot be touched. Uh, You're right about James, that. I watched James Harden play in college. He was at Arizona State when I was at Washington State, and it was uh, obviously you don't know it in the moment as it's happening, but it's like he versus Clay Thompson. And then you kind of look at their professional careers if they've progressed because they have progressed. And Clay Thompson, by the way, he don't shoot threes like he used to. Like that no, whole, he doesn't. No, that whole draft class is is 
no longer relevant, which is kind of a heavy thing to say out loud. Oh, I mean, I'd say Clay Thompson is still relevant, but just all the injuries have just caught up to him, and he's not nearly yeah. the player that he used to be. Now, I mean, he's got four rings. No one ever take that away from him. He's going to get into the Hall of Fame. I have no doubt about that. He has made more money than what you and me and Griff and Isaiah and whoever else may be listening to the show is ever going to combine in right. our lives. So, I mean, I, it's hard to feel sorry for Clay Thompson. But, um, you know, James Harden, he's got a bad reputation now of being a, a coach killer, of being a malcontent, too, because when he was down in Phoenix, he got fat, got out of shape, got his way out of uh, Houston, wound up in Brooklyn with uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and then didn't like that situation, and then forced his way into Philadelphia. Now he doesn't like that situation. Now he's going to force his way maybe back to Houston. It's just so strange. He got Doc fired, and now he's dipping. Yeah, like he helped well, Embiid. Okay. He helped Embiid win an MVP. He then carried basically the biggest wins of the playoff season. He then got Doc Rivers fired, and now he doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants to leave. And you're like, <laughs> you're, you're like, what kind of head game is this, my man? Well, Doc's underachieving is what's gotten him fired. That's the problem with Doc. You're being kind you're- right now. Well, I mean, that's what most of it is, is that no one has underachieved more than what Doc Rivers has. And I like Doc Rivers, but he's – I can no longer say he's a great coach. I mean, look at all those years that he had the Clippers, and he had CP3, and he had uh, uh, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. He had a pretty – Joel's right. Doc screwed Doc. He's actually right on that one. So, I mean, if you were an NBA team, would you bring in Doc Rivers right now? I don't think I would. From the Sports Animal Live Chat, join us at Facebook.com slash TalkABQ or YouTube.com slash TalkAB2. Friend of the show, Joel, says Durant, Westbrook, and Harden should form a super team. <sighs> I, well, they I mean they had that in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Like it's been done. Like it's it's been done. And, and it was it was so funny because when they were getting ready to play the Heat, and it wasn't the 2012 NBA Finals. And, you know, as it's been established, I'm a Miami Heat fan. And all I heard was the Thunder were going to kick the crap out of the Miami Heat. Right. And LeBron's overrated and D-Wade's old and Bosh sucks, all this other different stuff, right? And then the Heat beat the uh, the Thunder in five games or six games. And everything after that was about how the Thunder, oh, they'll be back. They're young. They'll be back. Don't worry about them. They're, they're going to win maybe two or three. They'll be okay. And they never won one. Never came back at all. Never came back at all. Shipped all the guys traded, out. Well, they traded James Harden to uh, Houston. And then Durant and Westbrook, that just blew up. And Durant hightailed to the Golden State where he went to go win two titles. You can't really yeah. say that was a bad move. I mean, it was an all-time great, one of the all-time great teams. And then actually Kevin Durant, his career has not been great since he's left Golden State. Completely imploded in uh, Brooklyn, and then, I mean, not exactly a great playoff performance by him this past year with the Phoenix Suns. Well, and also, he's 35. Serge Ibaka had left that team immediately afterwards as well, yeah. and he was a big contributor. Reggie Jackson was not a head case at that time, so he was kind of like playing the game the right way. There was there was like kind of a lot of talent on that team. What's oh, and then they had, that, they, had a, they had that two guard who was a really good defender. He wasn't much of an offensive Kansas? player. No, no, you're thinking of Nick Collins. Yeah, um, that's what I'm thinking of. 
Carlson. The, the, Carlson. Uh, no, I forgot his name. He actually uh, had a lawsuit against the New York Police Department because they mistook him for someone else, and like I think they took like a baton to like his leg or something like oh, that. Oh, uh, Cephalosha. Cephalosha. Yeah. So I mean, they lost him too. I mean, like not every like when you're putting together NBA team, it, it's not like you need five guys who are going to be like double digit scorers. You're going to need the guy who's going to do the dirty work. And that's what Cephalosha did. He was, he, you know, he guarded usually the best player on the other team. The provided the best player wasn't a four or a five. And, I mean, he, he wasn't a bad offensive player, but he was more of a defensive shutdown guy than anything else. Well, they did it interesting with that roster, too, because they went and got guys from a bunch of blue bud schools. So they had guys from, like, they had multiple guys from Kansas. They obviously had Kevin Durant, who played at Texas, yeah. which was, you know, unanimously that pick that year. But then they had the best player from Switzerland, which was um, Sevilla, the best player from Spain, which was Serge Ibaka. And they were like, well, we'll just go and get like the best young talent that we can get. And hopefully we can do it. But they couldn't do it. They can never really figure it out. Also, the NBA was different than teams were losing more games and stuff. It was, you could yeah. be at the top of the conference with like high forties wins. It, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't as much emphasis on the three ball back then. Right. The Golden State, the Golden State Warriors really changed that. Steph Curry really changed that. Where now, if you can't shoot, uh, you're you're not going to play, for the most part. You're going to come off the bench. If you can't shoot, you're not going to play. Is it safe to say that James Harden will never win? I don't think he ever will. If, if he, if, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a team, you're going to be like James Harden is going to be our top priority, our number one scoring priority. You're never going to win. You're never going to win. He goes back to Houston? If he goes back to Houston, because James Harden is, what, 35? And James Harden's never really been in fantastic shape. It's hard to be in fantastic shape and still hit the buffet at the Spearman Rhino, you know, five nights a week. So, you know, all of that's eventually going to catch up to you. So by the time that the young talent in Houston is ready to ascend and take that next step, He's going to be on his last legs and almost out of the league. So no, I wouldn't say that he's a player that you could build around. He's going to be he's going to be like what the, like the way Kyle Lowry is um, with the Miami Heat because Kyle Lowry's thirty seven. Kyle Lowry comes off the bench, and if you see Kyle Lowry when he's on the bench, he's got that one leg covered in like I don't know, like two or three pounds of ice. So I mean, not, that's that's wrong. basically what Jay, huh? That's not wrong at all. James Harden. That's what James Harden's going to be. Because the Sixers have his bird rights, which Isaiah, you don't know what bird rights are, but this goes back to Larry Bird. We could do a whole segment yeah. on it. Not important. He can make up to 210 milli over four years with the Sixers, but the number's not that different. If he goes to the uh, Houston Rockets, he can make 201 milli with they. Uh, only 33. So there you go. I thought it was also a little. I thought he was older than that. Uh, yeah. But he's he's got the player option this year for Philadelphia, and I heard that he's going to turn that down. He done. He done. And, and Joel's right. Lowry is a hustle player. Harden is not. And another thing with James Harden, too, is that there's a big history of this. At big playoff games, James Harden disappears. I might argue that Embiid disappeared in their last playoff game. I might argue yeah, that. Yeah, he did, game. too. But, I mean, James Harden – <laughs> James Harden has definitely disappeared. And right. Joel also uh, texted in about the Kardashian curse. 
Actually, James Harden is one of the few who avoided the Kardashian curse because it was uh, which one was it that was going out with uh, Lamar Odom? Which Kardashian was it? I can't tell you the difference in any of them. I'm very sorry. Okay. Well, whatever Kardashian was going out with Lamar Odom was going after James Harden. And they were a thing for a little bit. And James Harden was like, this is too much for me because we'd go out someplace and take a photograph and there'd be like 200 comments about the shoes I was wearing. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not doing this. And he ended it. So he was smart. He's one of the few NBA players to kind of to avoid that Kardashian curse. I would put Houston in my top circle of cities in this country. I don't know if there's like a cooler, funner, like more to do spot in the entirety of this country than Houston. Mm-hmm. And I think if if James Harden wants to go to Houston, it's not for the basketball team. James Harden wants oh, to no. go. Yeah, for for the amenities. He wants to go for the accoutrement. He wants to enjoy the city and its ten thousand plus restaurants or whatever crazy number they bully, they boast about. It is a um, it is the coolest spot in the country. I cannot state that differently. And him and Emi Udoku, who's now going to be the head coach at Houston, I don't know how, I have no idea how that's going to work. Because Emi Udoku was a serious basketball coach. He can say what he want as you know as as a, as a cheating husband or whatever. I mean that's that's neither here nor there when it comes to uh, how he handles a basketball team and his success as a coach. But I just cannot see him and James Harden coexisting very well. And he's the coach now. Allegedly, the ownership is real excited about the idea of Harden coming back. And I think if you're a guy like Adoku, you who who you have a second chance here that maybe not, not a lot of people thought you'd necessarily get. I think you tow the company line. I think you, you have to. What are you going to do? Because there's a history of James Harden for somehow some reason. The you know, like you said, the owners love this guy. Mm-hmm. Daryl Morey, the general manager of the 76ers, loves him. Loves him. Fired, fired like Doc. you said, we're talking about fired Doc basically for him. And he may walk out the door. So, yeah, he, he, if you're going to be a you've got to find a way to make that work. We take this one and we turn this one into the one that made the biggest mistake. That's John ja Morant. We'll talk about he whenever we get back because um, more people are weighing in. I d- we live in a culture right now to where you got to be first and everything. You got to talk so fast. You got to do this thing. But there's always a handful of topics where people wait to take the temperature of the water first. And now that everyone has agreed that this is bad, all these Mm -hmm. people are coming out and talking about it. And I'm going to give you a little bit more of my opinion on John Morant. And mine hasn't changed. I'm, I'm still oppo basically everything. But now it's coming from people with bigger microphones than me. It's Tumin on 95.9 FM and AM 610, the sports animal. Miss the opening drive with Jeff Symbietta and JJ Bach. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Hey, as soon as Isaiah steps in, he's going to play this song every time. <laughs> the Albuquerque Adonis, Isaiah Johnson, back at the studio. Such a good nickname. That is a good nickname. It makes it hard to be a bad guy, though, like in pro wrestling, if you're the name of the city you're from. It, exactly. That's why I've, I've been sitting here thinking I need something I can get my, my ego right. into. Right. Yeah, we need, like, you need to be from, like, hated El Paso. <laughs> like, we need to figure out, or like. Santa Fe? 
Is there a Santa, Santa Fe Albuquerque? No, no one hates Santa Fe. It's so okay. Santa Fe is so soft and little brother. How about Vegas, Vegas, New Mexico? Beautiful and historic Las Vegas, New Mexico, home of your New Mexico Highlands Cowboys. Ooh, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I at think all. That, I think we should we should stick with the with the arrogant. So it should be irresistible Isaiah Johnson. I nice. think that's correct. Now, from the Sports Animal live chat and Isaiah's future wrestling persona, Rio Rancho was suggested. And this is a good suggestion because if you're, <laughs> if you're fr- like the ravishing Rio Ranchi and Isaiah Johnson, there's something there <laughs> because you know how Albuquerque and Rio Rancho hate each other. Matt, this is like the Metro East in St. Louis. Like this gotcha. is like this is an unnecessary rivalry. This is like West County and Arnold. Like, there's no reason all these people should be fighting with each other. But they do. For no reason. Here, here we go and down, like, the, we're breaking the fourth wall. For people who don't know in Albuquerque, and none of you would other than Fred, no. Arnold is not exactly known for having the brightest no. citizens in the no. world. So there was this radio station that used to do this thing called Arnold versus the World. Love where it. They would have so they would have someone from Arnold call in. And then they would just try to get a hold of anybody in the world. Didn't matter where they were in the world. Could be somebody in Italy, Ethiopia, China, and found someone that spoke English. And they would have like a general knowledge trivia question on who would win because it's Arnold versus the world. And everybody from Arnold would lose every single time. Every single time. Every single time. Arnold is crazy. The entire city doesn't have sidewalks. Like, what is Like, what are you doing, guys? Like just t- take the effort. Give a give people a place to walk. Like I'm not every time. Like it, it's like you know I, I'm single. Everybody like, hey, I know this girl. Where's she from? Arnold. I'm oh, not. Oh no, miss me. Fast, miss pass, me. Pass, 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 pass. It's like if the Ozarks could sneak into the city somehow. Like that's <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I think you could just the, the, the entire lake of the Ozarks into one. Uh, municipality it's going to be arnold <laughs> hyper specific st louis radio talk for me yes. and my former co-host of the heavy hitters matt Berger is joining me on the program his van is on assignment today in denver uh, a little birdie told me uh van was trying to get into the basketball game last night between the nuggets and the lakers i do not know if he did and if he did i do not know if he survived because i haven't heard from him today so so Never congratulations know. yeah congratulations yeah. to he all right so i've been talking nonstop for days I'm like, John Morant has got to catch the proverbial hands of the NBA. They have to come down on him. And here's what I think it's going to end up being. And this um, this is not an original thought. Well, it's an original thought for me. But the, the regurgitation of this one is from Tim McMahon from the Basketball Illuminati podcast. That's an ESPN product. So mm-hmm. he says the problem is he's now being told by NBA agents – that this is going to affect the money as a whole for everyone because there's oh. a belief that marketing dollars are not going to want to go towards the NBA because they've sullied their reputation yet again. And maybe a lot of advertisers felt like, hey, it's the NBA. They're going to screw up again. Matt, it's kind of been like 20, 25 years since there was a quote-unquote gun culture in the NBA. Is gun culture back in the NBA? And is the mighty dollar <laughs> going to be what stops that return? Well, I think that there are more NBA players who are part of gun culture than what we know about. I agree. They're just not they're just not dumb enough to go on Instagram live and tell everybody about it. And that's what John Morant's problem is. 
John Morant is a little like Aaron Hernandez, I think, where he's kind of like he wants to be a gangster, but he also wants to be a basketball player, too, because that pays a lot more money than what being a gangster does. Um, I think that he has a complete and total lack of self-awareness. I think he's got some bad people around him. Now, I'm not talking about like criminals. I'm just talking about people who don't have his best interests at heart. Kind of like the same thing with Michael Vick and all of his cousins who were running that bad news kennel up in Virginia, um, where people were like, you know, maybe this is a bad idea. Like, it's no one's saying you got to give up your gun or get rid of your guns, but just don't be whipping it out on Instagram Live when we're driving down the highway. Maybe not do that. Or maybe not pull it out when we're at a strip club after we uh, after a game in Denver. You know, maybe not do that. So, like, the NBA already kind of – and it's done a lot to kind of squelch that reputation of a quote-unquote thug league or a, you know, gangster league. They've done a lot to squelch that. I mean, the NBA, you see their superstars on commercials all the time. How many times do you see Steph Curry in a commercial? How many times now are you seeing um, uh, Jason Tatum now in commercials? LeBron is always in a ton of commercials. Shaq hasn't played in how many years? Every other commercial has Shaq in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, John Morant, he's screwing up generational wealth. I mean, the amount of money that he can make, there are going to be generations of his family that he's never going to meet who are going to benefit from what he's doing right now, and he's fumbling the bag. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I think you hit it right on the head there. From the Sports Animal Live, texter 505-246-0610. What Adam Silver should do is make him an example so that no one else ever does it again. That's an interesting one because the other side of that argument comes from the Sports Animal Live chat on the live stream. Friend of the show, Joel, says the NBA is going to use jaw as a martyr because the upcoming CBA and salary cap rules are coming up. And that ties back to our original conversation with, J- with James Harden last segment where you're going to end up, I think, with a number that is smaller than what the number used to be salary cap-wise. But I don't think that's the conversation. The conversation is sponsor dollars. Well, so um, I, I, Isaiah, check on, for, check on this for me, please. I'm pretty sure the CBA is done. Done done? I think, it, I think it's done done. I'm almost certain that it's done done. So I don't think this is going to have any kind of effect on the CBA. Um, now, what is this going to have? Like, what are you saying about NBA NBA agents saying this is going to have an effect on everybody? It is presented. Maybe. It is presented as complete. There's a vote, but it looks like you're correct. Yep, it's okay, CBA so, is done. It says yep. it's it's done. Okay, so this is this is this shouldn't have any kind of effect on the CBA, but is it going to have any kind of effect on the public image of the NBA as a whole? And this is where I think you're right, where Adam Silver needs to maybe, maybe come down. I wouldn't suspend him for half the season. I would say 25 games is probably a pretty good suspension. I don't know if I would suspend him any longer than that because to kind of like paraphrase J.J. Redick, he didn't break any laws. It's a bad look. And just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's not wrong. If you're a kindergarten teacher, can you have an OnlyFans page? Yes. You can't. You get fired. If you're oh, a kindergarten you're, okay, teacher, sorry. I didn't understand the question. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and, yeah. And the premise you're talking about, that's correct. Yeah. If you're, if you're a kindergarten teacher, there is nothing illegal with you having an OnlyFans page. There, you're not going to get tossed in jail. Now, you'll get fired. And you'll more than likely never get hired again as a teacher once they do mm-hmm. a quick Google search about you because you're going to make the news. You know, this school district fired this teacher because she had an OnlyFans page. You're never going to work again unless you change your name. 
Well, so, but you're never a, you're, but what you're doing is not illegal, but it is wrong. To a much lesser extent, I'm talking like insanely lesser extent. Um, I don't go out past like I don't stay out past midnight. Like, and that's not because I don't enjoy staying out past midnight. I very much I like drinks and libations and fellowship. I love all the things that come along with that. What I don't want is the trouble that comes along with it, because in my job of this like public persona sports talk radio show, my job broadcasting New Mexico Island University, my job on the director of the board of directors of the YMCA. You have more to lose. Yeah, you, there's too much to lose. Yeah, like you don't. And, that, and that's what John Morant's friends don't get. John Morant has everything to lose when it comes to this. They don't have anything to lose. If John Morant, you know, fumbles the bag and he doesn't get the next contract extension, and he doesn't get the big Nike shoe deal, and I think Powerade was going to come out with a new ad campaign featuring him, if he doesn't get all of that money, that doesn't affect him. That affects John Morant. So I remember when LeBron James was drafted in 2003, Charles Barkley goes, LeBron, I'm going to give you some very free advice right now. Learn the word no. No, I will not help you start a business. No, I will not help you start a record label. No, I'm not going to help you become a rapper or an actor. You need to learn the word no. Sean Morant needs to learn the word no. The last thought on this thought is you and I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, also growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, was a cat named Darius Miles. We've talked about Darius Miles at length Mm -hmm. on programs that were based out of St. Louis. We're going to talk about him right now. His problem was he never got out of East St. Louis. Correct. The difference with John Morant is John Morant didn't come up in East St. Louis. No, he this didn't. Is, this is a by choice. This is not his environment. Yes. He is he is playing pretend. Yes. That's the thing that I don't understand. It's not like he grew up, you know, in like in a really bad area of South Carolina, you know, with, you know, like, like look at Jimmy Butler. No one had more of a rough upbringing than what Jimmy Butler did. You don't see Jimmy Butler out there waving a gun on Instagram Live or right. at a strip club. And what's Jimmy Butler doing? Jimmy Butler's in the Eastern Conference Finals again. Jimmy Butler is in quite a few commercials. He's in those Miller Ultra commercials. You see him all the time when you're watching an NBA game. Jimmy Butler's got a pretty good life where he's making a lot of money, and he seems to be pretty happy about it. He doesn't need to show everybody what a gangster he is. Like you know what he did? He showed people how good he was at making cappuccinos. It took over yes. the Internet. Yes, Figure it out. you're right. Get up. And, and, the whole, and the whole Rachel Nichols thing. Not bad. Well, I mean, <laughs> good for who's getting it. That's how I feel. Well, I think Rachel Nichols probably enjoyed herself. <laughs> Rachel Rachel Nichols is she's not. What's the best way to say this without saying this? Hey, good get. That's it. That's it's not. It's not a mountaintop. Hey, if 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 you were to text me, yeah, Matt, you're never going to believe what happened. I hooked up with Rachel Nichols. Sure. I would be calling you on the phone going, my boyfriend, look at him. Look at my boyfriend. The, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, like like pretty redheads, not hard to find. They're in You're abundance. Right They're well, in well, abundance. Well, just, just go to Dogtown where all the Irish girls are. <laughs> <laughs> we wrap up the program with Matt Berger. When we get back, today's I-9 Varsity. The I-9 Varsity of terrific art, terrible artist. We'll hit on that, and then Josh Sushan will join us at 6 o'clock before we hand this one over to he and the Isotopes Broadcast Network for tonight's baseball game. It's two men on, 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal.
miss the opening drive with Jeff Simbietta and J.J. Buck. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Creeping up on 6 o'clock. Head down to Icetubs Park, watch baseball. Go home, watch basketball. Heck, turn everything off, go outside, rub some grass. I don't care what you do. Enjoy the start of your weekend. Today's I-9 Varsity, this is a good one. Today's I-9 Varsity is the I-9 Varsity of terrific art, terrible artists. League Office 280 at i9sports.com, 505-312-4999. Currently taking registrations for soccer and basketball and cheerleading and volleyball and in every single sport that can be a sport and they play all over town and it's one night a week you practice and you play during the same morning it's the best situation ever here we go i'll lead off boys so this is you make terrific art but you're a terrible person as an artist okay okay all right so to me the most entertaining person on the entirety of this planet is donald trump I cannot okay. go a single day without trying to figure out what's going on in the world of 45. <laughs> 45 is also is equally traumatic as he is yeah. entertaining. Give me Donald Trump at the top of the list. I got Donald Trump on my list of artists who are just uh, absolutely terrible and absolutely terrific at the same time. Okay. Uh, I'll go with one that I stated earlier, and that's Ted Nugent. Um, yes. I mean, uh, he is an absolutely vile human being, in my opinion. But if I hear Stranglehold or if I hear Cat Scratch Fever, I'm turning it up. I've got no problem with any of those songs. Just getting yeah, down with I it. Mean, if I hear that opening, if I hear that opening rip the Stranglehold, I'm going to say, hell yeah, and I'm turning it up. I'm going to be like, that. yeah, yeah, yeah ter- no. you're a terrible person, terrible. Go get it. That's what I would say. Also from the Sports Animal Live chat, Michael Jordan no, absolutely no. Don't agree. Isaiah, what do you got? So I'm going to go ahead and say I got Skip. I got Skip Bayless. I know he he knows what to talk about, but I think if you look at uh, athletes. Is he as, a bad dude? I, I think if you look from the eyes of That's athletes, he can be. I think you could definitely mark him as it. I think he makes life harder for a lot of athletes. Uh, it's some coming up or even some that are established. I think he makes life hard for a lot of them. Troy, Good answer. Troy, Troy, Troy Aikman hates Skip Bayless. Well, I don't, hates him with a passion. I, I don't hate. Maybe maybe they started a Whataburger chain and it fell through. I'm going to no, go with another one. This this is what this is what happened with Troy Aikman and Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless just floated it out there that Troy Aikman might be gay. Oh, he shouldn't have and done this, that. And this was like you know a couple decades ago yeah. where like that's like that was like a real offense to to, yeah. to men. Like right now, if you're offended by that, everybody like, what's the matter? You got something against gay people? But you yeah. know, back then, you call any straight man, you know what? I think he might be gay. I mean, that was a reason to step outside and throw down. Oh wait, correct. Too, too much heat for me in that question. I'm going with because I like this work of art. The work of art is the Declaration of Independence, written by <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Good one. Now, if, if you're not familiar with Tommy Jefferson. He's not that dog. He is just not at the top of everyone's um, example for the class. So give me Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence. Okay, I got a good one. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, okay. Fantastic actor. 
great actor. He's in some of my favorite films. I get a feeling he's probably a bit of a scumbag when it comes to, you know, women. Like, as soon as you hit 24, you're out of there. Uh, I believe Joel, that. that... Joe Joel Lovato. Got a good one. Bill Cosby. That's a good one. Put it on the list. Isaiah, you got a last Roman one. Polanski. Oh, that's a super. Isaiah doesn't even know who that is. Isaiah, we're cutting you short because we got to say bye to Matt. Matt, final words today? It was fun, gentlemen. Hope to do this again soon. Everything about you is perfect in every Al- single way. Albuquerque, I love you. Oh, thank you for the reuniting. Whenever we get back, Josh Sushan will join us. We're going to talk about the Isotopes baseball game tonight, and we'll do a little Major League Baseball roundtable. Big round of applause for Matt Berger on the way out. Save the day on a Friday. The heavy hitters reunite one night only. Two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Now Now betting betting for the sports sports animal, animal, your your afternoon afternoon drive. Number two, two, men men on, Van Nunley Nunley and Fred Fred Slow. Slow. And in the the on-deck circle, Robert Robert Buck D. Gibson. Gibson. This is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Welcome back to the program. Welcome back to Two Men On. Joining us on the Sports Animal Hotline, friend of the show, Josh Sushan. Josh, how are you, brother? Good evening. Happy Friday, guys. I'm fantastic. Happy Friday. I'm not brother. as fantastic as Jimmy Heron is, but I'm I'm pretty fantastic. What's going on with Jimmy Heron right now? Give me the update. Well, we had an inside the park home run yesterday, you know, so and I, so I think sweet. it's because, you know, he joined you guys and you came out to spring training and you guys had a good chat and you you know, and he has great hair and, you know, clearly having great hair is a key component to two men on. And of course, as he was running from second to third, the helmet flies off so everyone can see his great hair. And he had an inside the park home run yesterday. So it was a cool moment. So you think that the two men on drip is the sole reason that Jimmy Heron has ever received or even been adjacent to any amount of success in his professional career? I agree completely. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not the slightest doubt whatsoever. You thought, I mean, how could there be any doubt? If there's someone out there who's like natural ability, like practice, preparation, effort, intensity. Those people all wrong. Solely the two men on drip. That that totally tracks. And the hair. And the, <laughs> and the hair. Is Josh Rogers warming up for the isotopes? Let me see. I'm scanning the, the field right now, and okay. I do not see anyone who resembles a starting pitcher nor do I see Josh Rogers doing any type of stretching or long tossing or any type of um, baseball-related activity that would indicate that that person is warming up to start a professional baseball game. So that means this professional baseball game will not be starting at 6.30. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, give us the update, Josh. When is the Isotopes game tonight? I wish I could tell you. 
this is when we're going to start. So here's the thing where this is where like one of the trickiest things when it comes to like baseball and weather and start times and all this kind of stuff, because what you don't want to happen is the starting pitchers get warmed up, they get loose, they're ready to go and you play for an inning and then it starts to pour and then you can't play. And then those two starting pitchers are burned and you can't go back to them and they're done. And then that messes up everyone's bullpen. And it just kind of, it messes up everything. So, we're, we're looking at this, at this uh, what do you want to call it, a system, a storm, a cell, whatever, and we right. want to see what it does. And if it doesn't do anything, then we're fine. We'll start it a little bit later than what we were hoping to, and that's fine. It's basically what we did yesterday. But if it's, if it's going to hit us, then, then we want to be, be careful and, and, and not start the game. So as of now, the tarp's not on the field. Like the ground screw's just getting the field ready to go as if we were going to play at 635. You know, like the lines are, are, are drawn. Um, everything looks super pretty. They've just still got a few touch-up things that they have to finalize here. Um, so the field w- will be ready to go. And then we just got to wait and see, you know, is this storm going to miss us? Is this storm going to hit us? And um, as a result, we're not going to get started at 635. But hopefully we'll find out here within the next 15 or so minutes if the storm's going to hit us or if we're going to be able to start at, say, like 645 or 650 like we did yesterday. We've been battling a little bit uh, these weather fronts for the last couple of days in Albuquerque. You know I've been out of town in St. Louis, Missouri. I've not seen it firsthand. As I'm returning, does it look to be clear by the weekend? Is it, is it going to be a weekend of, of beautiful baseball in Albuquerque, or, or do you believe it'll be more of the same? Well, according to the app on my phone, we're going to have a little bit more weather Saturday and Sunday. You know, it's like 24% chance tonight, 24% chance Saturday, 44% chance Sunday. And then those percentages go down a whole lot more next week. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is like July weather. I mean, it's not right. full-on monsoon, but this is like July weather, and it's May. So it's really strange that we're getting this now because usually – you know, you, you, you set up homestands and plans for May, and you're like, oh, this is locked in. It's not 100 degrees yet. There's no chance of rain. This is when the weather's perfect. you got graduations. Everyone's super happy. Um, but, yeah, this week has been quite unusual. You know, like, again, like right now I'm looking at the Sandias, and the to- I can't see the top of the Sandia Mountains, but I can see like 75% of them. And the wind is howling pretty good right now. It's overcast. You know, it's like, oh, there's some bright blue there. There's some a little bit of white there. There's some lighter gray there. Oh, that's really dark gray over there. You know, it's just one of these very Albuquerque skies where it's like all the colors are, are evident in the sky. And it's like, okay, well, what part of Albuquerque or what part of Rio Rancho is going to get hit and what parts are going to get missed? The last three days have been this similar story. How have the crowds been out at the ballpark? Are, are people, are they braving the storm? Are they coming out and, and enjoying baseball as, as we recognize it as the game? And are they staying until the end? Well, it makes it a whole lot easier to stay until the end because of the pitch timer, right? I mean, 225 yeah. yesterday, we had 217 the day before that. And then even you go back to Tuesday's game, Tuesday we had a combined 25 runs, 32 hits, and the game still finished in two hours and 38 minutes. It got done at 9.17 p.m. You know, so you still 25 runs and 32 hits on Tuesday, and the game still ended at 9.17. And, and I think that, you know, I love that the Isotopes and so many other teams have moved starting times from roughly 7.05 to 6.35. I think that 30 minutes makes a huge difference. And now that you add the pitch timer, which has shortened games by about 30 minutes, I feel like we've all got like an hour more of our life. You know, 
because we're starting 30 minutes earlier and the games are finished 30 minutes earlier than they used to. And, and I think it's just good. I think it's good for the recovery of players. I think it's good for people being able to get home and get to bed and get to work on time the next day and, and still feel like they got a normal night's sleep and all that. So I, I just really like the way that, that baseball is going with starting times and the length of times. Again, it just makes it a whole lot easier to stay into the end and not think about, oh, well, you know, we got school tomorrow. We got work tomorrow. It's kind of getting late. Time to go. I love midweek baseball more than anything as an adult. And I think as a kid, I hated it because I wasn't able to go. You know, my parents, you know, it's a school night. It's a whatever. And then as I grew older and did have opportunity to go to midweek baseball, I would just take advantage all the time. Like, how many nights a week do you see me eating, like, in the press box at Isotopes Park? Like, it's a lot. So, it's for me, I want to go and enjoy. But there's something just as fun about, like, if we could do a – like a doubleheader weekend or whatever. What is your favorite baseball game, Josh? What is your favorite time of day? What is your what is your like perfect scenario for Isotopes baseball? Well, you, you just brought back a flood of like childhood Josh memories, right? And, yeah. and number one is that my parents got divorced, and when your parents get divorced, you know, let's face it, it sucks, right? But right. the benefit when your parents get divorced and you live with your dad is that you go to Wednesday night games, <laughs> right? Because dad doesn't care, right? Dad wants to go to see some Wednesday night baseball as well, right? And so dad's not worried about, like, oh, I got work tomorrow and you got school tomorrow. He's like, no, cool, let's, let's go to the game, right? There won't be as many people. There won't be as much traffic, right? Like, I can sprint up the stairs and go to the bathroom and get, and get a beer and get back down and I won't miss a pitch between half innings, right? And also, I'll never forget the time that my dad woke me up in the morning and he said, hey, Dwight Gooden's pitching a candlestick. You're not going to school. I'm not going to work. We've got to go watch Dwight Gooden pitch a candlestick, right? So I skipped school, and he skipped work because Dwight Gooden, in his prime, was pitching a candlestick. And so we went to the game. So those are my favorite memories of just, like, going to games with Dad. And that's one of the few times that parents getting divorced, like, benefited me in life. Well, you know what's funny about that, too, because, you know, you're of that age to where going to a, a game as a kid in the 80s or the 90s is definitely different than going to the game as a kid now. And if you were to regular on Wednesday's Candlestick or the Coliseum or whatever, like there's a beer tender outside of that section where your dad could like give you a fiver and he'd be like, run and get me one. And then they would just hand it over because you're there once a week anyways. And they know like it's there's such a different atmosphere, I think, around the game now for kids as opposed to when I was kids. Cause I feel like I'll go to like little league night at the ballpark and there's like 45 team chaperones and they're making everyone sit on their butts and they're doing, and I just only remember playing tag up and down the concourse. Like it's, <laughs> it's like a different day and age, right? Yeah. I remember, um, I, I saw some clip recently of, it was just like some home run that was hit in the 1980s. And when they showed the fans in the bleachers, like, half the bleachers was just dudes who were shirtless, right? Like, just getting skin <laughs> cancer out there, right? Like, you go to a game now, and it's great that people wear their colors, their swag, right? That's good for merchandise sales and all that. But, like, in the 80s, and so, again, it just brought back a, a memory. Like, you know, we'd go sit in the bleachers, and the first thing that we do was, you know, you get there, and you take your shirt off, and you lather up with sunscreen, which is gone, like, 30 minutes later. Okay, that's enough for the next four hours as we just bake in the sun here, <laughs> right? And then I remember going to games with my friends and I was like uh, oh hey we're going to go do this and my dad would just be like alright just be back by the ninth inning right and so yes. that, was, that was our cure for you was be back at the seats by the ninth inning 
We would, and so, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd go here. We'd go to the third deck. We'd go to the second deck. We'd try to get foul balls over here. Yeah, we'd run up and down the concourse. We'd play catch. We would just make a nuisance of ourselves all around the empty Coliseum. And then, yeah, you just got to be back at your seats by the ninth inning. I love that your dad said, like, he came. Like, we would get dropped off at Bush Stadium. Like, they did, like, we oh. would get dropped. And then we would, like, so you would go, this was not even unique. I'm telling you, you're saying, oh, like, it's weird. I'm promising you it wasn't. And then we don't have cell phones. We have any technology. We would have whatever parent dropped us off say, hey, be back here at this specific time. And that was it. Like, there was, they didn't text us or check up on us. There was just an understanding that we would all be there at whatever it was in the afternoon or whatever it was at night. And it worked. It just worked forever. And now, okay, so I don't I, feel, yeah, I swear this is not like a setup. I like Fred couldn't have like planned this anymore because you just brought back another memory of mine and you're going to really like this memory because so my dad would go with me to the football games and the basketball games and the baseball games, but my dad had no interest in taking me to see the WWF before it was called the WWE, but he would drop off my friends and I at the Cow Palace in San Francisco or at the Coliseum Arena and I, I don't know how this happened, but it was like, yeah, meet here. And dad was there when the wrestling show got out. I don't know what dad did. While we, I don't want to know what dad did while we were <laughs> the, the watching Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, you know, against, you know, weird. Superfly Snooker or whatever at the Cow Palace. But we'd come out, and there was dad, and, then, and he'd take us home. Yes, that's the way childhood worked for me. <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know how this worked, but it did. Yeah, no cell phones, no pagers, just meet there. And we did. Somehow it worked. Well, and I have changed so very much. I text you multiple times during the day saying, hey, confirming this time. And then I'll text you again and say, (laughs) confirming this time. Because there's, for some reason, just like a complete lack of trust in this. And There was a time when I used to have this figured out. We're going to go to break. Josh, uh, you got one more in you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. I got, an, I got another good story, too, about like how it just somehow worked before cell phones when we come back. I, I'm excited to hear about it as uh, Josh Sushan and Fred Slow fill time. It's two men on 95.9 <laughs> FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Are you amped? Don't do that. Don't do that. Come on, bro. The Jim Rome Show. Show. Weekdays at 10. On 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. We're approximately some amount of time away from the Isotopes game. Josh Sushan, amateur meteorologist. How far are we away from the start of this Isotopes game tonight? Ooh, man. I wish I could give you the answer to that. I've been, I've been frantically trying to, uh, to, to tell, to find out during the commercial break, like, what's, like, the time that we're waiting for where, you know, if by this time we'll know if it has started to rain and we definitely can't start the game or whether, okay, that cell did not hit the ballpark, we're fine, everyone, pitchers get stretched, get loose, we'll play. Like, we're... we're I'm trying to figure out like what that kind of time is when we're going to know, right? And I'm still waiting to hear back because the the cell is not um, moving as fast as we want it to move so that I can answer your question. 
So what you're saying is we don't know. We don't know. I'm telling you that the tarp is not on the field. It's not raining, but we're worried that it might start raining right as the game is about to start, and that's terrible timing. And so we want to wait to make sure that doesn't happen. And so we're going to wait a little bit longer before we either say, like, all right, let's play, or, oh, obviously we can't play. Well, and speaking of waiting, that's all you have to do here in Albuquerque as it relates to the weather. Just wait for like five minutes. It'll change. It'll be perfectly fine. Yep. That's how I feel. Yep. You were going to tell me a story, Josh, before we went to the break, about how when you got a cell phone, you learned to uh, stop being able to communicate with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or I stopped making plans in advance that would be just understood that you don't break the plans. So uh, 1996, I finished college at San Diego State. In case you didn't hear, my school went to the national championship game. I don't know if you guys heard that. So uh, 1996, I finished at San Diego State. My first job is in Watertown, New York. That's an hour north of Syracuse, right? So it's way, way upstate New York. It's like 15 minutes from the Canadian border. And uh, I'm working for a minor league team in the New York Penn League called the Watertown Indians. I drove across the country by myself with no cell phone, no pager, no GPS, no hotel reservations, like, lined up. I had no um, CDs or tape or even cassettes. I just listened to AM, FM radio, and I had one of those big old huge Grand McNally maps. And I drove for, for five days and four nights across the country, and I just parked, um, you know, where I just, when I got tired, I would just start looking for a hotel, and then I would just look for one off the side of the road, and then I would just pull over and, and just pay cash and go to bed and then wake up the next morning. And, and, and that's how I got to upstate New York. But somehow in the middle of this, I made plans with this dude from high school who I didn't even graduate from high school with. Like, we hadn't seen each other, like, in seven years, but I knew that I was driving through Missouri, and we made plans to meet at a grocery store off the highway that was not too far from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. And him and his dad were waiting there, and I found them in this parking lot of this grocery store at this approximate time that we had made in advance, like a week before. And then they drove me to Kauffman Stadium. I think it was called Royal State at the time. We watched the game, and then we went back to the grocery store, and then I followed them through all of these like crazy turns where it was super dark, and I didn't, call, I didn't have a cell phone to call them if I got separated from them, and I made it to their house, and then somehow the next morning I made it back to the highway and continued on my drive, and somehow we did all of this without a cell phone back in 1996. Little kid you is like, I'm the man. Like, like yeah. new, new college graduate Josh Sushan is, I just, he, you're like, I just serpentined this great country of ours. I, I don't talk about this. Uh, I don't talk about this a ton on the radio here because it's an old story for me. But my, uh, my 19 to 22 was just driving the country. So I left St. Louis at 19, drove to California, and then just kept driving back and forth, East Coast to West Coast for like two and a half years, living this weird, like, vagabond like Kung Fu lifestyle of like discovering like people and culture and like trying to like shed my Midwest skin. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And when I started the journey in 2005, I started like you with the Rand McNally. Isaiah doesn't even know what a Rand McNally is. We st- I started the journey with a big old Rand McNally and this, and, uh, and I would do my knuckle to knuckle. Cause I knew that was like roughly one inch and that's, you know, roughly a hundred miles <laughs> or whatever. So I'm like, I'm doing it like on the map anyways, halfway through. So this would have been like 2006. I gave up Josh. And I went and bought a Tom Tom. 
I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is the hardest life of all time. So I went into a Walmart, bought a TomTom, had to go to a local library, download the TomTom update to like a USB or to like a, a what are the little ones, a micro SD or whatever, slide that yeah. into the TomTom, and then I'm on my way again. Like it was, <laughs> it's so much, everything is so easy now. It's Yeah, I remember, I remember driving back and forth between San Diego State in the Bay Area, you know, summer and Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And then you like you get back to the dorms or, you know, or whatever. And someone's like, oh, did you take the 805? And I'm like, what do you mean the 805? And I'm like, no, I just took five. And then, you know, to the eight. And they're like, no, there's this thing called the 805. You'll save like 15 minutes if you take the 805. And I was like, oh, okay. So then like the next time, like, oh, okay, cool. There's this 805 thing, you know? And then someone's like, oh, wait, you know, how about like the 238 to the 205, you know? And then you start like, just you just talk to people and they just like tell you like, oh no, there's like this shortcut that you can take and it'll save you 15 minutes. And you're like, oh, okay. So that's the way now. Right. And then like one time the five, and, and by the way, it's the five. If you're, if you're Southern California, then once you go over the grapevine, it's no longer the five, it's just highway five. And yeah. so the five was closed and I'm like, what do we do now? And then fortunately, I was carpooling so- with someone, and she's like, oh, we just have to take the 101. And I'm like, all right, how do we get to the 101? And she's like, uh, I don't know. I think we take, like, the 405, so legit- just go west, and I think we'll run into the 101. And so then we take the 101 along the coast, and then we just kind of figured right. out how to get back over. And so it took us, like, 11 hours instead of seven hours, but we've figured it out. There's no highway west of the 101. You should be fine with that sense of direction. <laughs> just, go, just go west, and then you'll either hit the 101 or you'll hit the ocean, or mo- mostly both. Yeah, it'll be simultaneous. Well, and the thing about the taking the 101 versus taking like the 5 is the 101 is 40 miles per hour on coastline, but it's the most beautiful drive that you can take. Like if, yeah, like, it's Isaiah, so like, gorgeous. Isaiah's listening to the show right now. Isaiah Johnson, 25 years old, like about to graduate New Mexico Highlands University. Outstanding young man. Put your lady in a car and drive the Pacific Coastal Highway. Like find this memory in your life. It is important. It has to be done. And those people that aren't so fortunate to do it, you're missing out. Like it is a, but I it is don't a, do that until after Isotope's baseball season because he's doing a great job of, of producing, engineering <laughs> our games. So do this in like October once baseball season's done. Okay, noted. <laughs> The best part about uh, Josh's approach to finding places is you end up in little towns and on back roads you've never heard of, but all these little shops and cafes and stuff, they all have in shoe polish written on the windows, world's best ice cream, world's best pie, <laughs> world's best whatever, and you end up like just having like all these like terrible walnut delicacies from, from the Valley of California, and you're like, I'm in heaven. I'm in super heaven right now. Yeah, you know... Um... Man, just like this, uh, this nostalgic little trip that we're on, which is just super fun, is, is making me like want to do that again because I'm a planner now. Like I, I have to have a plan, right? We're going to arrive on this day, and then we're, you know, it's like military, you know, timing for how we're going to all the different things that we're going to do. And now I'm feeling this uh, nostalgic, you know, uh, urge to just to just show up somewhere and not have a plan and just kind of figure it out and just talk to locals instead of like getting on Yelp to see like where we should go. I feel like just like walking down the street and just talking to some stranger and just be like, Hey, where should I go get something to eat? Where can I go get a beer? That was a bit I did when I was a kid. Like when I was traveling the country, people would be like, Hey, what's your story? Where are you from? Or whatever. And and people ask stupid questions. Like I, like I tear things in my life, right? Like I don't have a best friend, but I got a bunch of friends I put in a certain tier. You know what I mean? 
So mm-hmm. people would be like, uh, whatever it is. And I, they'd be like, tell me about you. And I'd be like, well, my favorite color is local. And it's just <laughs> me trying to discover like all these different parts of this country and stuff. And, and how fortunate I am at, um, you know, where I am in life to be able to tell some stories because I have some stories. And that is from Isaiah getting lost across this great country in an attempt to find a destination you're not sure exists. And I encourage you to do it at some point. Also, enjoy baseball while you're at it. I've been to like 60 stadiums. I know that's not as many as Josh, but like like if I'm in a place that has a stadium, I'm going there. Like I'm going to watch independent league or minor league or whatever league is going on, and I'm going to drink a 50-cent beer in the bottom of the seventh inning as they're closing the thing out. Like, like that was the jam, man. And, and, and you know almost, the cool thing about that ind- independent league ballpark or that minor league ballpark is it actually really is, and this is not just me being a minor league baseball employee in Homer, it really is the best way to learn about that city, right? Because yeah. when everyone's going to do some version of a mascot race, right? So, so if you're 25-year-old Fred who's leaving today and has never heard of Albuquerque but just stopped here and you're like, oh, they do this chili pepper race? I guess mm-hmm. chili peppers are a thing in, in New Mexico, right? And like every city is going to do some sort of version of that and they're going to have some food item at their concession stands and there's just going to be something on the walls and something that the public address announcer says that you're going to be like oh so that's what this city's all about okay you know and then it's going to lead to conversation you know um you know we were talking today about how much like the pitch timer has changed things and and for the good and how people aren't on their phones as much during baseball games because like you're you miss too much action because the game is so much like faster now and so as a result of that if you're not on your phones that means you're actually talking to people, right? Like all of these games that I went to in the 80s with my dad, like we knew everyone around us and we would talk. We'd be like, you know, like, oh, that dude always wears an Orioles jacket and the Orioles mm-hmm. are in town. So, all right, you know, we're, we're going to talk a bunch of junk with this guy, you know, or, you know, you just got to learn what people's favorite players are, you know, or, or you hear some conversation. You're like, no, that's wrong. No, I read it in the Oakland Tribune and you got it wrong. No, the Chronicle had it this way, but the Chronicle's wrong. The Oakland Tribune had it right, right? And you just have like these fun conversations throughout the, throughout the, the, the ballpark and you, and, and you just get to know people better and you just become more educated. Well, and you say educated, but what it is, is it's, it's just like baseball stories. Like there was a time, Isaiah, when you would sit down, I feel like we're talking only to Isaiah, not listening. There was a time, <laughs> Isaiah, when you would sit down with like an old timer at a baseball game and you would just cut it up in the conversation. It would start like this. I'd be like, I'd be like, uh, Hey, Hey, old timer. Um, what's, where did can of corn come from? And he'll tell you some fabulous lie. He'll, he'll tell you, he'll just yank your chain until the end of time. And you're like, Oh, okay. And like, let's say it's St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from. Uh, the, the phrase can of corn came from whenever Kurt Warner used to work at a grocery store. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like, I believe all of this. Like, this tracks and none of it is true. And these old men would just mess with you. And it was hilarious and perfect and low key. Like, 38-year-old me is mad that 30 years from now, I won't be able to riz just like strangers at the ballpark because they'll be able to Google right in front of me or whatever exists at that time. Wild. Yeah, Google does ruin a, a good, good storyteller you know, lie that an old-timer gives to a kid. Like, you act, you think I'm being hyper-specific, but it, this, these are like fond memories of when I was a child. Like, just hanging out at the ballpark. Don't exist. Don't. It's not like I would. I was driving around the country by myself. I'm going to the weirdest. I'm eating Krispy Kreme donut cheeseburgers. Like it's a cheeseburger with a Krispy Kreme bun. And I'm like, I'm like talking to strangers about how it's disgusting and good. And they're like, I actually wrote a dissertation on it. 
I'm like, good. <laughs> Give me the dissertation. I want to read this. I, oh, I remember wow. I was in the bleachers once, and uh, the Giants were playing the Reds. It was a doubleheader, and uh, we got to know the dudes that were behind us. They were funny. They were like Reds fans. The dude was keeping score. And um, so it's between games, and, they, and I'm like, I don't know, 14, 15, something like that. So it's between games, and they, and they just go get liquored up. And the second game starts, and I'm like, oh, these guys were keeping score. I should probably keep score for them because, you know, you, you want it like a full book. So I start keeping score. I wrote in, like, all the names, and then they finally arrive in, like, the bottom of the first or the top of the second or something. And this dude is, like, so happy, you know, that, um, you know, that, that I kept score for him and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, kid, let me buy you a beer. And then he's like, oh, wait, yeah, I can't do that. So then he, like, wants to buy me a, a, a soda. And then, like, at some point in the game, I remember – the Giants swept the Reds, and the Reds were getting smoked. And he's like, oh, well, at least we'll get to see Eric Davis steal his 50th base. And I turned around, and I was like, no, he actually already did it. He's like, what? I go, here, look. Look at the notation in the scorebook. He did it in the first inning when you guys were getting liquored up. <laughs> this guy was so pissed, he just handed me his beer. He's like, here, kid, you have my beer. And I was like, Dad, here you go. I just passed it to my dad. <laughs> oh, gosh, he ruined his entire life, and I love it. I love everything. Also, also, when he's standing in the beer line, do you not hear the crowd go, like that exists like you missed that moment bottom of the hour we got to step away for a minute jay you got to go or are you good for one more i can do one more yeah this uh, is fun it's like we'll a podcast talk. except it's live uh it's it there's a lot of friends of the show right now that are like what is going on on the radio <laughs> they're like are we friends with these guys are these guys like our friends I, hey friend of the show you are my friend i mean that Two men on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The sports animal. The Duke City's home for sports. Hell yeah. Yes. That's a yes. This is 95.9 FM and AM 610. The sports animal. Back on the program. Josh Sushan with us. Josh, welcome back to the show. Hey, Fred. Hey, remember everything I told you 30 minutes ago? About, about the weather and uh, what we're doing and uh, the update and all that? Nothing's yes. changed in 30 minutes. Well, it's some of the best radio filler of all time, really, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I agree. No, it looks like uh, the area just west of Los Lunas got a lot of thunder and lightning and rain about 15 minutes ago, and that is heading toward us, but it also looks like it's breaking up as it heads toward us. So, like, 7 to 7.45 could be kind of gnarly, um, unless it totally breaks up and it's, and it's not so gnarly. You know, um, looks like most of it's to the south and it's going to miss us and or it's to the north and going to miss us. But there's but there was an area that was that was pretty, you know, red and yellow on the radar west of Los Lunas that is heading toward us while breaking up. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. A chance of everything. <laughs> That's the game. of there's, <laughs> there's definitely a chance. There's 100 percent a chance. <laughs> A little, bit of baseball, a little bit of baseball roundtable with the Sioux, Josh Sushan. Uh, we haven't really got a chance to talk to you at length about the Aaron Judge uh, shifty eye controversy, but I'm going to bring it back up because Lance Lynn said he'd throw right at him. 
What? Of course Lance Lynn said that. <laughs> like, this is not a story. Like, the story died days ago. Like, I feel like if you're, if you're stealing signs, which, by the way, you should, if you're doing it without using, like, the benefit of, like, technology, if you're doing it, like, in a, what I identify as, like, a classical way, steal signs. It's part of the game. Also, if you're in judge, lie about it and say you were looking at your friends in the dugout because they were chirping too much. You have to lie. You have to do exactly, you have to look at the sign, you have to crack the dinger, and then you have to lie. Aaron Judge has been perfect throughout all of this thing. <laughs> so here's the thing about sign stealing. It is really, really difficult to steal signs nowadays because of pitchcom, right? It's not like you're decoding numbers that a catcher is putting between his legs and then relaying that back, right? Like, Everyone uses pitchcom, right? So you just hear something in your cap. There's a speaker that tells you fastball away or slider. So it's not like you can really steal signs. You can just figure out what someone is going to do because they are tipping off their pitches. And so if you're tipping off your pitches, Lance Lynn or anyone, don't be mad and go headhunting. Just be better at your occupation and don't tip off your pitches. Well, and the thing to me that's so funny about the whole controversy is I feel like everyone has only seen the Aaron Judge highlight in slow motion when he looks over to the dugout. So everyone's like, he was staring over there for like 20 seconds. No. <laughs> it, like, this is a dash of the eye. This is like, a, uh, this is like when you go to the club and like, like a pretty gal is wearing too low cut of a shirt. Like, this is the quickest glance that you can humanly give. And then all of a sudden, Lance Lynn says he's going to plunk him. Like this is, this is wild to me, Lance. Like you, like number one, know your role. But then number two, I'm still pro Jones, or I'm still pro Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is the man on this thing because he hit that ball forever. Yeah, you still got to hit it, right? Like I've I've heard like Willie Mays tell stories about how like oh yeah, Sandy Koufax always tipped his pitches. We knew exactly what was coming. It didn't matter, <laughs> you know, because he was Sandy Koufax. It didn't matter if we knew what was coming. You know, um, I remember about a month ago, I was, I was in the dugout with a bunch of the boys for the Topes, and we were talking about, like, hey, if you could know, like, what was coming, would you rather know location or would you rather know pitch? And everyone was like, oh, we definitely want to know pitch because guys are going to miss their spot, right? You know, yeah. at least with, like, the pitch, then you know, you know what he's trying to do, like, spin-wise and things like that. But even if you – but e- even so – but the, but other guys were like, no, 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 I'd rather know, like, location, right, because I'd rather just – you know, if it's coming in, I want to know that I can open up. If it's away, then I then I know that I can that I can get extended and I can go that way. So it's even just interesting hearing the different opinions about whether you'd rather know the location of the pitch or the type of pitch. But you still have to hit it, and the pitcher still has to try to execute that pitch in a way where either it won't matter or he doesn't execute the way he's supposed to, and then that messes you up because you thought he was going to do this and he actually did that. Well, and to be fair. To be fair, to be fair, thank you. Really appreciate that. To Lance Lynn, if he doesn't throw it, Aaron Judge, like anything over the strike zone, he's going to hit to another county. So, I mean, this is like, this is like probably the best move here that you could probably do of all time. You didn't love the to be fair, Josh. That was tough for you. 
It's like a tough well, moment. here's the thing. Um, I, I thought that's what you were doing, but I couldn't make like eye contact with you because we're not in the same room, and so I, I wasn't sure if like if you had like Van like programmed and it was like a hot key that was going to be pressed. I didn't, and I didn't want to ruin something that was planned, so I just let it breathe, and then I, then it didn't work. Do you feel like all retired pitchers say this kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And I and and I also think that um, that once that that we all look upon pitchers from the past, like how often have you heard someone, especially since you're a St. Louis guy, like, oh, Bob Gibson, you know, he, you know, he'd hit a rookie in his first at bat just to welcome to the league, you know, you'd get mm-hmm. one, you know, right at the chin, and that's just how they played hardball back then. You hear that about Don Drysdale. You go back and you look at the career hit by pitches of of Bob Gibson and. Don Drysdale, and you would think based on the stories of these old-timers who are spinning yarns and lying to you that they would have like 40, 50, 60 hit-by-pitches in a season, right? Mm. And then, but now, you know, you just Google, you go to Baseball Reference, and you look at what these guys' hit-by-pitches were, and you're like, no, he had like some, but it's not like he had this enormous number of hit-by-pitches. So we, we look upon these guys as, oh, man, they, 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 were, they were enforcers. And then they also kind of do that themselves, too, about like what they did and what they would do and all that kind of stuff. Those, those stories even get more like glamorous the longer you listen because you'll, you'll hear things like, um, you know, when I was a youngster and I would go to Ebbets Field, which is a thing in St. Louis, when I would go to Ebbets, uh, yeah, I'd go to an away and I'd get spit on. <laughs> like, no, you would, like, you would not. Like, like, everything is just so theatrical. Like, like rookies don't get hit by first pitches. Like, like managers don't get thrown out of every game. Like, all this stuff does not exist. And that's, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a problem because we're talking about, like, the advancement of technology. There are no, like, grandiose stories anymore. Like, um, like when I played athletics, there's some tape. Like, there's some games of me. Isaiah, who just wrapped up playing collegiate football at New Mexico Highlands University, all of his games are on tape. He can't even spin a tail. Like you just go back and press play on the internet. Like it's it's a different day as far as what you can and cannot get away with when telling stories. And because of that, that makes me think about Wilt Chamberlain for two reasons. Number one, what he's most known for for what he claimed, but yes. then also number two what he actually did for a living, there's actually very little video of what Wilt Chamberlain did, right? When he scored 100 points, there's no video. All you ever see is just somebody, like, wrote the number 100 on a piece of paper, and he held it up and smiled, and someone took a photo, and that's the only evidence that we have. And, you know, newspaper stories, of course, but that's the only evidence that we have that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game. It's just this piece of paper that he's holding up afterwards. And when you talk about like the greatest basketball players of all time, you look at Wilt Chamberlain's numbers and it's just mind boggling what he did. Like he averaged 50 points or something like that. Like one year. Um, I actually saw some random clip today of pistol Pete Maravich. And he did like this behind the back 40 foot pass to somebody who was cutting through the lane. And I was like, Oh my gosh, why don't we see more highlights of pistol Pete Maravich doing like these crazy things? It's because the video doesn't exist anymore. And so we hear like these legends, but it's, but it's almost like it's hard for us to like believe it and take it as serious and to, for us to really grasp what happened. Because when we hear Will Chamberlain's name, we just think 20,000. We don't think about like what he actually did on the court. Well, and it's changed the narrative. Too. Like the biggest controversy in baseball this week is Aaron Judge, you know, squinty eyes. 
Like it's it's not the St. Louis Cardinals going nine of the last eleven and no longer having the worst record in Major League Baseball. It's not your Los Angeles Dodgers Freddie Freeman and his three hundred career bomb last night. It's not Mike Trout passing Pedro Martinez and Ken Griffey Jr. and wins above replacement as he climbs up the greatest of all time list. It's shifty eyes. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> like, do you, do you think? Such a- do you think that's also because that is what the the national yes TV embrace debate shows just realize this is easier for the consumer to to just process this and talk about this rather than like actual baseball news and and then that and then that and that goes down to every single radio talk show across the country too it's like oh this is an easy thing for all the fans to like get behind and talk about as opposed to like you know the actual real stories well, and I mean, that's the 13 minute segment that we live in, right? Like in life to where it's right. the thing that I have to introduce the least amount of information is the thing that is like most easily consumable. I don't have to explain to a single person who Aaron judges. You and I were just talking off the cuff about Pistol Pete Maravich, who played at LSU and then obviously played in the league. And our producer of this program, 25 year old Isaiah Johnson is like, who's Pete Maravich? Because I have to set the table accordingly because they don't know. And that's why you have to follow the national storyline and talk about Dak Prescott every single day. Because if you don't, you got to introduce people to new concepts. And new concepts are hard because you can't text and listen. I know about Pistol Pete. There we go. I like that. There we go. Hey, uh, I have news for you. Give it to me. Isotopes Baseball tonight is scheduled to begin at... 7.15 Mountain Time. 7.15 Mountain Time. So that means you need to go to the pregame at 7. Is that correct? No, it's 6.55, 20-minute pregame. We'll start the pregame at 6.55, and first pitch is set for 7.15. Well, then, do you need to step away, Josh? This is on-air production. Why don't we We can keep going for five minutes. I got the pregame show ready to go. Oh, I love it. Who's on the pregame? We can tonight? keep going. Uh, pregame is Jimmy Heron because, again, he yep. has – Fabulous hair, which we actually did not discuss. We discussed his, uh, his inside the park home run, and we discussed um, playing the outfield. I asked him if he misses the hill or if he ever has nightmares about the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and also today's baseball card team said giveaway. All 1,000 have been given away by now. And um, Jimmy said his grandfather gave him a whole bunch of baseball cards when he was a kid. And that actually made me really happy because I feel like no kids – collect baseball cards anymore that only like old farts like me um, collected baseball cards. Did Isaiah, Isaiah, do you own a single baseball card? Do you have any in your possession? No, I do not, but oh, not eight. the biggest baseball guy. So that could be maybe a little bit of the reason. Got to fix that. Do you have basketball or football cards of anyone? Do they still make those? Nope. Don't have any. <laughs> yeah. The, you know what yeah. kids got into, which, you know, you and I didn't super get into is they got into the, the card games. So, like, kids Isaiah's age, like, all of his buddies were playing, like, Pokemon cards. Like, and then they would, like, when we did with baseball cards, they'd open up a pack, and nine of the ten would be garbage. You just throw them on the ground, and you pocket the one good one. Like, that's, like, that's where these kids hang out. This is not even in a bad way. It's just the way the culture is right now. Yeah, I had had a friend that was really big on buying the cards, and uh, he would try to open them and hope to get a really good one that he could resell. So, I don't know if that counts. That's the exact same thing with baseball cards. Like it was like you're ch- like you're chasing like every Ozzie Smith card you could find. Like that was like my whole motivation as a kid. I was I was like, where can I get an Ozzie Smith? Where can I get a Tom Pagnazzi? These are the only things I care about. <laughs> I have not heard Tom Pagnazzi's name in a while. That makes me smile to hear Tom Pagnazzi's name. 
I got Todd Zeal takes too. I mean, we can go down this whole path. Do you do you got one that like you still keep in your wallet or anything? Is there one you got ready for bike spokes, Josh? No, I don't have one in like the wallet, but you know, so I got rid of all my cards in the pandemic. Um, I, I, I just said, I was just tired. They were just sitting in boxes and crates and they were just taking up space. I just got tired of, of looking at them and not knowing what to do with them. So I sold like 99% of them. And, um, the person who bought them from me, is actually a really good friend and, um, just nice guy. And he said, no, you should keep a few things. So there's a few things that I kept, you know, like, like some Ricky Henderson cards, you know, because that was my guy, and then like a few other things that like, you know, were like meant something to me because, you know, I interviewed him at some point, or you know, I, I did play by play, and he was involved in something that I did or whatever. So th- there's like a few others that I kept, not because I think I can resell, but I'll just look at it and I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, like I actually know this person, I've, I've had a thing with this person, and um, you know, so I still have a few, but once again, they're just sitting in boxes in a different storage shed now. What was your organization technique? Because mine was by player number. Uh, I constantly changed mine. Like at first it was like all the A's would go in the binders first and then all the Giants would go in the binder second. And then like all the other cards after that. And then it was, oh, no, I have to like put them all by like the, the, the number that's on the back, you know, like one through 782 or whatever it is. You're trying to like build a whole set. And then it was like, oh, no, this is just like the binder for, like, the rookies, you know. And this is like, this is like the old guys that from, like, the 70s that my dad told me about where, okay, these guys are good players. I didn't see them, but I've read about them, and these cards might be worth something. So that's, like, in this binder or whatever. And then there was, like, the drawer of, like, the commons. It was literally a drawer. Uh, the commons, and those are the ones you take the ballpark to get signed because who cares if you spill nachos on them? They're commons. But if you get a signature on it, then, like, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, cause at first I was trying to get like the best of the best cards autographed and then I realized that was stupid because the cards get ruined when you take them to the ballpark and, and then signatures and authentication became a thing later. And so it, it was a wide variety of things. I never had a set plan, which is why it was really difficult to try to sell them <laughs> because you can kind of see like seven different plans that I had throughout my life of, of trying to organize my well, cards and what I was doing with them. And you're talking about signatures and appraisals, and Isaiah don't know about this, but what used to happen, Isaiah, is a Beckett would come out. So a Beckett was like the pricing guide. And we would spend $12 on the pricing guide to see that our card's value increased by two pennies. It didn't make any sense. And we would, did they come out once a year or twice a year, Jay? I, no, I don't once remember. a month. It was once, once a, a month. Oh, yeah, back that, at Baseball yeah. Monthly, because those then became collector's items because they always had a really cool photo on the front. And so I would, like, tear those off and put them on my walls. Well, I mean, or sometimes I'd get the Beckett signed. And I'm like, ooh, is this Beckett worth more money now because I got this Beckett signed? I don't know. Let me look inside the Beckett to find out if my Beckett is now worth more money. It would have been worth more if you would have left the poster inside of it, idiot. <laughs> you got Jimmy Heron on the pregame. You're going to have a real good broadcast tonight. Thank you for hanging out with me for the hour, Jay. Yeah, this was fun. Seriously, this was like a podcast. I hope someone recorded it and, and, and people can listen to it. This was fun. You can get every episode of this program on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you collect your podcast. We'll put it up immediately after the program. Isaiah, final words, brother? Nope, no final words. Okay, he's just ready for baseball. I love that. Josh, final words? Safe travels back to Albuquerque whenever you get back here. We miss you in person. I like that a lot. Thank you for that. Big thank you to everyone who supported me while I was gone. Congratulations to my father and doing so well in his first round. Good week, everyone. Good job, everyone. GG.